І от ви спитали, як так може бути. Так може бути тому, що Донбас взагалі регіон, який, ну, це не просто депресивний регіон, розумієте, там настільки великий комплекс таких грона проблем, і головніше, наприклад, тому, що там просто дика кількість абсолютно непотрібних людей. Ви економі, повірте, я абсолютно свідомо про це говорю. От якщо брати навіть чисто Донецьку область, там приблизно 4 мільйони населення. Що не менше мільйона півтора, там просто зайвих людей. Нам не треба розуміти Донбас, нам треба розуміти взагалі український національний інтерес. А Донбас треба просто використати як ресурс, який треба відповідно з приводу розуміння Донбасу. Мені здається, що ну в мене нема зрозуміння жодного рецепту, що тут можна зробити швидко, але найголовніше, що треба зробити в даний момент, як це там жорстоко не призвучить, є певне є певна категорія людей, яких треба просто вбити. Welcome to the Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Thursday, October 6th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. I have a huge show today, as, as it seems to have been the routine over the last week or so. I think you guys have kind of caught wind that I've kind of given up on trying to shorten these in the last so many weeks. Just so much going on, and it's very difficult for me to not include. Even today, I pushed off the entire conversation, like the other half of what show, show, the show would have been today. So it would have been twice as long, not even making that up, for about food and and the Great Reset direction and kind of like the similar flow of the shows have been. And just going to focus today on what's going on in Ukraine, some foreign policy points, because it's obviously a ridiculous situation happening there right now with the nuclear threats. 30 seconds ago, they were warning Russia was going to nuke everybody, and now they're calling for nuclear attacks on Russia. I mean, this is why I think nobody buys this stuff anymore. It has gotten ridiculous. I mean, and it's always been pretty clownish, but now it's gotten unbelievable, literally unbelievable. And we're going to go through what you're going to see, what you should be seeing over there and what they're not showing you and kind of the back and forth around the conversation. But then we're going to talk about something that's really concerning to me, which is the essentially indefinite mask mandates. Not hyperbolic, not making that up. That's colleges now deciding that the mass mandates are there for good, which, I mean, it's just baffling. So you're no longer trusting the science, even though that's not what they were doing. You're just making it up as you go along and deciding what you think is virtuous. So was it never really about science? I think that's where we're starting to finally realize those that weren't aware of it already. But then we're going to talk about the COVID-19 vaccine discussion and show you just how catastrophic this is continuing to be. It's kind of become a, a routine of late just to continue to show you the waterfall of the basically their narrative and the, the coming apart at the seams. Every single direction of every single part of what they've been saying is falling apart. And you have people now from within their side coming out and going, OK, I was wrong. OK, this is obvious. OK, this is killing people. We're really there right now. And yet somehow there's still people that are holding on. There are still people in the corporate media that are holding on. There are still people that I even know in my family that are determined to not see how obvious this has gotten. And I'll even show you them doubling down with Fauci, the media, the talk shows, telling, you know, little uh, news segments. They're telling you here's what they think could happen if everybody takes the booster. It's just gotten a little bit. I mean, I, I, there's, any, there's no word that really sums it up. The, it's insulting. It is ridiculous. It is obviously false. It is desperate. It screams desperation when they're just going, please do this because, and they're just, they're selling up a bunch of emotional talking points. 
no longer looking at the science anymore, which is pretty interesting, isn't it? As if they ever really were. But let's start off today with a quick shout out that I want to make in regard to something important that just happened. And this is uh, uh, Parler recently reached out to me and said, hey, we like your work and we would like you to start using Parler more. And I said, okay. And we got into conversations. And so now they're going to be, in, in, they're going to be supporting and funding T-Lab to a small degree. And they're going to be, and, and so that I continue to use Parler and that's it. So I want to make sure, first of all, that that was transparent to everybody. No influence, no back and forth, just simply saying you do what you've been doing. Comment on Parler as you see fit. Do it this many times as, as a minimum. Okay, that's fine. I've been doing it anyway. And, you know, point it out. That's it. And so as far as I'm concerned, that's a platform out there that as across the board of all the platforms, I've seen the least amount of issues like reported about it. I haven't personally had any issue with Parler and that they're willing to support me. So I will support the platforms that will support us. And that's another way that T-Lab will continue to be independent. And I think that's important. So Parler is now supporting Last American Vagabond. So as always, I've been including Parler in the list of these, you know, non-corporate media platforms, but I want to, I'm going to make more of a focus down Parler. So if you, first of all, follow me on Parler, it's like all the rest of them, T-L-A Vagabond, but let's engage more on Parler. Why not? If they're going to support us, then we should support them. That's how I look at this. So make sure you check it out because I'm going to be engaging more on there and doing more kind of posts that I've been doing on Twitter and so on just on Parler. So thank you to Parler for supporting The Last American Vagabond. Uh, now, I don't know how long it'll go on. It was set for a, a, a set in time, certain time period. Maybe they'll not want to do it after that. and We'll see. But for now, and you know, you know me, I'm going to continue to use these platforms anyway. I already was because I think it's important that we lean into the platforms out there that are so far, standing up for free speech. And this one, as I said, I mean, Gitter, Par, uh, uh, Truth, uh, Social, uh, which was the other one? All these other ones, they've had little weird things happen, right? We've all seen that where they kind of censored somebody and they went back. As far as I can tell, I haven't seen that here yet. So I'm happy to, to lean into that. Um, now going uh, next. Oh, that was right. The one other thing I wanted to shout out again was the same point that we are people funded, Right. And objective at all costs, as I wrote, no outside influence, no pressure from advertisers, no government connections, and most importantly, no illusions about the lie that is the two-party deception. We can only do this with your support. So I'm including the donation link yet again, because it's important. And we are actively trying to grow and increase what we're doing. That's one of the primary reasons why this has become more prominent. You know, I hate doing this in general, because we're, we're doing things, guys, and we are trying to make bigger things happen. As I said recently, we were now working officially with Rebunked as a part of The Last American Vagabond. We're reaching out with between us and, and other people. I'm not sure if she necessarily wants me to shout her name out just yet. Otherwise, I would. I'm sure she does, but I just want to be careful. We're working between the three of us to try to make something new happen. And we're also trying to grow The Last American Vagabond independently trying to continue to bring in more people and continue to broaden the outlet and make more location, you know, make this even more real than it is because it's time guys. It is time that we make more partnerships and agreements. And I mean, across other content creators, you know, lean out to other people that may not have the same opinion as you and you know, let's, let's work together. Let's have conversations. Let's challenge ideas. This is what we need more of, not more of the same two party back and forth, teeter totter, hamster wheel nonsense that just never goes away. The same wedge issues they were talking about. I mean, it just never stops guys. And I know we can all see that, that so all on the same point, support other platforms, other independent creators. If you don't like the last American vagabond that you feel are doing that, that's all I really want. Now to start off today in general. Oh, that's right. I actually forgot about this. This is actually pretty crazy. I'm actually, this was, I'm actually surprised. I forgot about this because you know that the last American vagabond in general started. 
when I first started this over a decade ago, it was predominantly almost entirely about cannabis law reform, focused on the illusion that is the idea that cannabis is even dangerous. And and this it's just I mean, I, I mean anybody with two brain cells to rub together has very clearly seen one that we were aggressively lied to about cannabis in every form, hemp, the psychoactive versions, you know, I mean, marijuana, all, all the different types and uses and everything about this we've been misled about from reefer madness to now aggressively. That's the first thing. But then we're coming to realize that it's actually something that's the opposite of what they were saying, that it is beneficial, that it is helpful, that is potentially a cure for cancer. And I only say potentially because it's not absolute. It absolutely has the effect to cure cancer and all different. I mean, I, I've gone over this across the board. This has been proven with peer-reviewed science. It's been discussed in different groupings. We've even seen changing across this country. And now, for those in the podcast that I haven't read it yet, Biden announces a pardon of all federal offenses of simple marijuana possession. Now, even the article doesn't. Oh, actually, hold on. I want to make sure that I didn't miss it. I was going to go back and look. Re, I was going quickly through most of this earlier because it came up as I was prepping. Yeah, so it doesn't seem to like explain what simple marijuana possession means. I think they just mean possession. As if it's, oh, just the simple, normal possession, not the trafficking or, you know, whatever else. But I, something tells me that's not what it means. There's a, there's a definition in there for what simple means, and it's probably based on amount. Just kind of what my gut tells me, but that's just my opinion. The point is, however you look at this, it's a long overdue step. So I kind of don't even want to go, yay, Biden administration. I want to be like, about time, you jerks. <laughs> like, you should have been doing this 10, 15 years ago. But it's still a good step no matter who does it, but I don't even for one second think, one, that it's going to translate into any real change because I don't believe this is genuine. I think, or I guess that was really the only point. I think it's because of the election. That was part two. It is, I think Biden is trying to squeeze some more move, moves out of this right before more stuff happens, right? And not just for Biden's future election, which, by the way, I don't know if I announced, he is claiming he's going to be running again, which is just, I don't know why, seeing as how most of the leadership Democrat, Democrats don't even want him to. But just for the Democrat elect for the midterms and everything else in general, like to kind of give more benefit, more positive perception about the Democrats. I just, that's just my opinion. Either way, it's still a positive thing. But it's interesting. No one should be should be in jail for using or possessing marijuana, Biden says. That's an interesting statement. What if you have 20 pounds? I still agree with that. Nobody should go to jail for any drug, in my opinion. But that's an interesting statement. Again, I just don't feel like it's going to ring true. This came out today. As it says, the action or the action will benefit 6,500 people with prior federal convictions. Now, remember, that's the big difference there. We're talking high-level FBI kind of stuff, which usually means large. That's what's so interesting about this. If the federal government got involved, that means it's a large, either especially possession. It has to be large, usually trafficking involved. So it's in thousands of others charged under the District of Columbia's criminal code according to the senior administration's official. It's just weird that they, that's just so strange. I didn't even get into that, the London and Washington, D.C. whole thing. District of Columbia's criminal code isn't, what about the government, the, you know, the federal for the country? It's just strange that it's this location. Anyway, I'm derailing. Quote, sending people to prison for possessing marijuana has upended too many lives and incarcerated people for conduct that many states no longer prohibit, he said. <laughs> and if you realize that doesn't make sense, you're right. But I'm pretty sure Biden just is doing his Biden thing and and in a, speaking. Well, I forgot to pull up this chat in case you hear my voice repeating and speaking in his Biden way. <laughs> speaking through his senility. I'm, I, that's how I would look at it. Uh, real quick, hold on. I'm sorry. I'm losing my train of thought here as I'm trying to grab this chat. I want to make sure 
I pulled this up. One second, guys. There we go. Okay, back here. Now, the point is, what he's saying is sending people to prison for possessing marijuana has upended many lives. We all know that because it's ridiculous. And incarcerated people for conduct that many states no longer prohibit. That is, so that's the opposite of what he's trying to say. I argue is, unless I'm misunderstanding the sentence, is conduct that many states now allow, essentially. Right? Because he just talked, anyway, they just thought that was funny because Biden is making gaffes even on things he's doing positive. But it says Biden is also urging governors to do the same for individuals with state convictions. So that's going to be the states. And even I argue that's the way that should be ultimately, even though I disagree that it should be illegal at all. If, you know, even within the, the wrong legalities, I still think that we go through the process in regard to states' rights. That's just a constitutional thing. But the point is, and even, isn't that funny though? Here's an overlap that I didn't think about a moment ago. So he's okay with the states making their own decisions here, but not Roe versus Wade though, right? Not one we want to care about. Now it doesn't matter which one you care about. It's logically inconsistent. It's not legally consistent, which shows you they're a bunch of hypocrites. One thing I was going to try to squeeze into the title today, which was my, something I was talking with my family, is that you're only, they're only consistent in their continual hypocrisy. The only thing they're consistent about. So state convict, states are now going to be able to decide, which is always the way it should be, even with Roe versus Wade, or, or abortion, is requesting Health and Human Services Secretary Xavier Bercera to and Attorney General Merrick Garland to expeditiously review how marijuana is scheduled under federal law. So that's been happening forever. Many presidents have made that statement, including Obama, but it hasn't happened. So the insinuation is, okay, we're, we're going to get, but we're going to review it from, to remove it from schedule one, which if, I mean, it's amazing how crazy it is. That's still there. We're so deep into other wild things in the world, but that is still a thing. Cannabis is literally still a schedule one drug. That is a higher schedule than cocaine. I mean, we, everybody anywhere should laugh and realize how dumb that still is. Anybody, apparently, except Alex Bernison. <laughs> to be honest, I, I'm, I wasn't even planning on including this in the show today. You could, you know, believe me if you will, until I saw this and was like, okay, if I'm going to mention cannabis, I have to point this out. I just, this is mind blowing to me. You know, I've made this clear before, and I will start off by saying he has been doing an excellent job on COVID-19. That's what confuses me so much about this. This is what he posted today. Weird at the timing of it all. Cannabis use is linked to far more violence, he says, against children than any other drug. Now, I mean, I don't even know how to begin to reflect on how dumb that statement is. And I shouldn't even make it, that's, I shouldn't cover it like that. How inaccurate that is. How, how ridiculously inaccurate and almost dangerous that is. So you're telling me that, so you have a family that's hopped up on heroin, which they have a right to do, especially as long as they're not doing something wrong or breaking the law or putting people's lives at risk versus a family on cannabis, on cannabis. That sounds stupid in and of itself. And you're telling me that the children with the fam that the family that are the regular use of heroin are at less danger than the family with cannabis. Now you could even maybe make that make sense because they're maybe be tired or passed out or whatever. But how about methamphetamines? How about cocaine? Are we really going to pretend that a child with a family all hopped up on meth is safer than a family with only cannabis? I mean, I don't even know how anybody can think that makes sense. Anyway, it especially, I, but I, I think I know why, because it's based on statistics. Somebody who can see through the garbage statistics around COVID can't manage to see through this, apparently, which is that they always include cannabis statistics because people who take, like, let's say you have a violent situation. 
And you, it turns out one of the stats was they had cannabis in their blood. That goes down as a cannabis thing, even though they were also on cocaine and methamphetamines and whatever else they want to include. Because people tend to use cannabis alongside other things. So it becomes this catch-all. You could make cannabis look like it's responsible for literally anything because of that. Now, I don't want to go too deep in this because I've I ad nauseum have done entire shows and articles about this. Look up the top 10 cannabis myth that no one should believe on The Last American Vagabond. But here it says a father in Odessa tells police he got high and killed his seven-month-old because the baby wouldn't stop crying. The two had smoked sun marijuana Sunday. Sunday, right. So not even the same day, but he smoked the other day. And so now we're going to, I'm going to kill my baby because he wouldn't stop crying. Probably an indictment of how crazy this person is. If anybody still thinks that cannabis even changes your, your, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm even get tired. Of, I, don't, I don't, does anybody believe this? Does anybody actually read this and go, that makes sense? That one person over there? I mean, my God. But he follows up and he says, two mothers, two months later, stunningly, again, in Odessa, a man has an apparent psychotic break and strangles two babies. Right. And that's because cannabis? Quote, officers allegedly found THC vape pen in his possession. That is the, that's the evidence? So you have a vape pen in your, in possession, therefore anything you did is because of the vape pen? Come on, guys. I mean, I have to be honest. This makes you question the basic logic and research skills of anybody that would make a statement like that. Cannabis causes psychosis. Not true. Psychosis causes violence. Tell your children. The whole illusion about whether cannabis causes, at the very least, schizophrenia, which is not, which is not, psychosis is a broader word, I would argue, is in and of itself an illusion. And it's been broken down by peer-reviewed science. The bottom line is schizophrenia is something that is more likely, in, is something that can be, in, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, shoot. The word that means it's just under the surface, but hasn't happened yet. I'm just blanking on the term, you know, where it's, it's, it just hasn't, yeah, it hasn't surfaced, hasn't visual become visual. And suddenly you do something and it happens. Now they argue that cannabis can be that trigger, but so could a violent car crash. I've done entire articles on this. So just because you smoke cannabis and something later happens and they associate it with that moment that triggered it, the point is that it was already dormant in your body or, and if it's not the case, I mean, again, I said, I wasn't going to go too deep on this. The bottom line is it kind of blows me away that this is actually what people are still saying. And I said, how can anyone who clearly sees through the COVID lies have such a ridiculously and verifiably wrong tank on cannabis? And that's not my opinion, guys. This is old. I mean, look, if Biden, of all people, and his administration is suddenly going, you know what? It's not even a big deal. You don't even have to go to jail if you have it anymore. I'm kind of certain that everybody knows it's not this anymore. So what's going on here? This is reefer madness level stupid, Alex. The same game you saw through with COVID was and is being played with cannabis. It's sad you can't or choose not to. I don't understand it. It makes me sad because, again, he's doing excellent work on COVID-19. And I've and as I said down here, the only reason I state it like this, incredulous and frustrated, is because I've tried more than once to engage with him on this topic. One I have researched for a decade plus. And all he did was block me, previously censored account anyway. It really does blow my mind. Okay. Now, that being said, I had to say, I had, you know what you guys know, I had to do that if I was going to talk about cannabis because that's been an ongoing thing. But to go into foreign policy, I just thought that was crazy. Can you even believe that Biden would even say that? I think it's nuts. Now, one point here before we get onto Ukraine, which is the majority of the show today. This is interesting to me just because, again, they're only consistent in their continual hypocrisy. What did they just say about Iran and, and the, the completely fabricated argument and fake protests that did begin with organic protests, but as usual, were used by outside forces. How did, you know, what was that all about, right? Women's rights, specifically about the hijab. 
That's it. Even though m many of them in there don't even view it as necessarily a repressive thing, they view it as something that is anti-West influence, right? But there are plenty of people that feel that way and so on. And there are modesty rules and so on. And you can disagree or agree, but it's like any other country and especially with cultural differences. It's not how way they paint it from over here. It's a manipulation. One, they don't even care about that because they don't care other places that are far more restrictive. And for that example, here's Cutter, one of their allies. Here's what just got posted about the if you're going to go see a football game there. Here's what you have to not do. Reflect your respect for the religion and culture of Qatari people by avoiding these behaviors. First one, drinking alcohol. Next one, well, homosexuality. Apparently, you just should not be gay if you want to go to a football game. Because, you know, they're totally westernly, you know, turning to the West and, and open modernizing and, you know, all the BS they want to spin at you. Remember when Saudi Arabia was becoming women's rights hub and then they literally didn't do that and put those same women in jail and they, they didn't report that? Yeah, that's still the way it is there. Still the idea where you can't hold hands in public or, you know, you can't do certain things or you're going to be beheaded in the town square in Saudi Arabia. But yeah, democracy, equity, freedom and all the nonsense they want to spit at you while they don't care about any of those things. Immodesty profanity, taking people's pictures, dating, loud music, not respecting places of worship. The main points would be like, I guess, dating, immodesty, and homosexuality. My point is that Iran is over here having a conversation about, I, look, I'm not even trying to compare the country, specifically just the idea that they're talking about it was the hijab issue that was the problem. And that they claim she got beat and tortured in prison. That was proven not to be the case. They never went back. But over here, Cutter's saying you're not allowed to be gay, but we don't care about that. That's just simple hypocrisy, no matter how you spin it. Sort of like pretending you only want to fight for freedom and then working with the largest, most authoritarian, outwardly totalitarian government in the country, or, you know, in the Middle East, at the very least, because it's a little bit hard to compare that with Israel and the United States, but Saudi Arabia, right? We, all, we, we only care about these things, but we'll allow all of our allies to do what we say we're going to fight everybody else for. It's sad. Now, Ukraine is an example across the board for this. And we'll, I'm, gonna, I'm feeling forced to go into the Nazi discussion again because of some interesting comments I've got. Now, for those that haven't followed the evolution of the conversation here that we've had, tying this directly to provable evidence, CIA documents, history that goes on there from the U.S. side and the Ukraine side. I went through this in the beginning where I was being very careful about the word. Are they neo-Nazis? Are they fascist? But then, of course, we came to the realization that it's a mix that there are neo-Nazis, there are fascists, and there are literal Nazis in that country. It's not something we should be debating. Now, look, whether or not the word Nazi is politically manipulated, people argue this goes back to World War II and so on. Look, I don't disagree with that. But bottom line is there are people that were directly tied, including the original person they tapped to begin this movement, to the Nazi party, who were literal Nazi war criminals, including Michael Lebed, which I'll show you in a minute. Even to this day, there are people that are actual Nazis in that country because they believe in that same ideology and the same political mindset and even, uh, you know, uh, speak. What's the, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? God, that's so frustrating. I don't know why I'm blanking on words today. They basically nod to those exact people. Right. Like the Bandera discussion or specifically Michael Lebed and the people from him forward in the Ukraine, the Organization for Ukrainian Nationalists. I'm going to go through this. So for those that are getting upset that I'm using the word Nazi and acting like that's an expo I'm exposing myself or whatever. Come on, guys. It's about the facts. Period. And if these people are identifying themselves as literal Nazi party members and people that tie back, come on with them. We shouldn't be splitting hairs here. 
But the point is, and this is an obvious example of this kind of problem where they're acting like we are fighting fascism and fighting not, uh, white supremacy while supporting the most obvious bastion hub center of that in the world right now. I mean, how stupid can you get with this? How transparent? But I just don't think I don't think they care about the facts in any regard. I think they realize they've lost this right now. They have completely in every angle lost control of their narratives. It's pretty sad. But now they're just tripling down, doing the Fauci rounds and putting people like Liz Truss out here. Liz Truss, you know, the person who seems to not really like just my personal opinion, be someone. I mean, I think this is pretty much all these puppets, but, you know, they just grabbed you know, this mom on the corner and said, get out there as our representative. I don't think she understands anything she's saying or what she's doing. Even just this statement, the way it looks, it's forced. Like she thinks she's acting in front of a camera, but Ukraine can win. It must win. And the way she does, it's like some kind of ideologue. We should not give in to those who want a deal, which trades away Ukrainian land. They are proposing to pay in Ukrainian lives for the illusion of peace. Okay, so first of all, what she's saying is, no, no, we shouldn't fight. We shouldn't want to make a deal for peace. No, no, no. We should fight to the bitter end because freedom. Right, but that means Ukrainian lives and other people's lives. Not your life, Liz, not your family. No, 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 but the people over there that we don't care about. All this is about, and on the documentation and their discussions behind the scenes, is about hurting Russia. And we all know that. And they've been open about that right up until this started. And then, of course, while it's happening and they don't think you're noticing, they're saying that. Oh, and it's an opportunity to remove the energy control from Russia. Yeah, yeah. We all hear you when you really speak. This is saying that we shouldn't want peace. We shouldn't want any kind of a deal that ends with anything that, that's not what we want. What about the Ukrainian people? Do we actually know what they want? Or are we only talking about what Zelensky and Putin want? You see my point? These people are crazy. And I don't think she even knows. I think she has this vision of flowers and peace in her mind. And she thinks, I mean, what? or she's a villain sociopath. That's trying, you know, I'm just, I'm not trying to give her any kind of a pass i just she strikes me as someone that doesn't really know what's going on like most of them but think about how crazy that is all these people asking for peace how dare they we will stand with our ukrainian friends however long it takes ukraine can win right there ukraine must win and ukraine will win that's a, am i wrong or is that a very strange way to do that like like she planned that right in her mind she's speaking calmly hey ukraine must win We'll win and we'll like it. Like she did that in the mirror and she sees herself as some kind of big leader. I mean, I, maybe I'm crazy, but that's just how I get from that. I feel like I'm a pretty good people reader, but I, I'm not the only one. I, people in UK, in UK seem to think the same thing about her. But my point is can win, must win, will win. Okay. That's, that's what they're telling you. So there's no option. It's like, it's like you being allowed to say no to the vaccine, not on the table, not even on the table. Ukraine will win until we burn it to the ground or Russia goes away. That's how it's going to go. All for freedom and the Ukrainian people, right? Sort of how they're fighting for the Syrians and they're starving them to death right now. Or we're fighting for the Afghanis and we're leaving them to die over there, right? It's, and I, I shouldn't say it like that. In no way am I meaning they leaving the country was a bad thing. I mean, just how they've left the country, right? Or any other situation you want to look at. We're going to free the Libyan people. Now they're being sold as slaves, right? This is how that works, right? Free the Ukraine. They don't care about the peoples they're using to achieve their goals. It's very simple and it's on the surface now. Now here is one of the first parts and most important. I've never heard of this platform, by the way. It's called brassballs.org.blog uh, or actually, yeah, I guess it is .blog. What is that? What platform is that? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Brassballs.blog. 
Uh, and and I'm you know I, I'll always shout out where I saw it from, especially since they provide the source material. And good shout out for them, man. I don't. I mean, I'm not. I'm not endorsing anything else they've done. Yeah, blah blah blah. All the same stuff. But good for them for putting the source material. Anybody out there deserves that kind of shout out. Now this is crazy. This is where I saw it first. Congress makes war permanent in Ukraine. Now I don't know if you could say permanent, but I, I mean, kind of feels that way, especially since it's going to be at the very least until 2029. And it's not a typo. That's, I mean, I'll show you the direct congressional date statement because they included it in this, in this post. But it says, under the guise of approving money to keep the federal government running till December. This is always how they do this. They, they simply... I, oh, the last one was Yemen. That's right. Where they did the... Their government's going to shut down. I think I almost think that's why they play that game. Does anybody else wonder why they are forced to make some kind of an agreement to not shut the government down? <laughs> I mean, there, I know there's a, a justification and, and, you know, reasoning behind it, but isn't that seem a little weird? Wouldn't there be a way to like not let that happen constantly all the time? It just seems like a manipulation. It seems a way to spend more money and to squeeze things like this in every single time. They're called writers. What they do is they slip these things in. Now, I don't know if this is necessarily defined as that since it's like half the, half the discussion. Excuse me. But we have larger bills where there it's a name something about you know whatever let's just call it the inflation act which also that had stuff as well and then you dig down to the bottom and you find out what's this what's 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 10 million dollars for israel what do they even have to do with this and in fact it's the opposite of inflation you know because it, it's actually the undermining the reason of this entire bill but they don't care the reason those end up in there is one because they slide them in when nobody's paying attention and half the people in the congress don't even read these things and two it's because it's a deal between people okay if i if you allow me to slip this in then we'll we'll agree to vote for yes or no or whatever that's how this stuff works so ask yourself why they're allowed to include billions of dollars for ukraine in a in an agreement that doesn't that stops the government from shutting down did you even know about that i mean of course not because they're not telling anybody this is a massive transfer of wealth at the very least on top of that, continuing to fund dangerous people with your money. It combined 12 emergency bills, what they call them for continuing appropriations for NATO war in Ukraine with Russia. The, the, the Pentagon sends U S army national guard troops to Ukraine, which is something that's been going on since 2017, at least as they report about it, where they leave their weapon stashes stay there. And that's also discussed in the past. I mean, they're, this, this, all these ways around, the, they're coming out of the seams, money and weapons and just dumping these people, even though they've already admitted that something like 30% is the best they can do to confirm where these weapons went. Think about that. If 70% on the record, it's probably worse than that, is going to whoever, it's, just, it's every war they've ever been involved in, the U.S. government. That's always how this works. My wonder is whether that's intentional. That's what I think, but I don't can't prove that. The Pentagon sends U.S. Army National Corps to Ukraine. Now it says down here, National Guard stashes. Uh, where was the last part? Oh, and th- again, good good shout out for this platform, man. I got to check them out and see what else they're doing because they included this as well. The Congressional Budgets Office CBO report dated September 28th was released the day they, this is the, which is interesting. What date was this? I don't see a date on this. I mean, I was interested to find out what date this was posted because I think what their point was, I can't see a date anywhere. Oh, well, I think their point was, that it's dated September 28th, but they released it after that, which again, it's just, they're just dishonest in everything that they do. And I'll show you this post because it shows you the actual breakdown, which is going to blow your mind. And it's listed all the way to 2032. Don't miss the 2030 overlap. That's kind of telling. But it says it's for 10 years of increases in emergency des- designated discretionary spending for Ukraine. And as he points out, discretionary means no one's accountable for it. 
And literally the definition of discretionary is available for use at the discretion of the user. So basically we're just dumping billions of dollars into Zelensky's hands and saying, do what you want, freedom. I, this is what's happening. This is not even my interpretation of it. Because of earmarks submitted by Chuck Schumer, the bill, the final bill ballooned, and that this is exactly what they do, from 63, which is a lot, to 163 pages. That's where that got squeaked in. I bet you most of them don't even know this just happened or that they voted for it because they vote on party lines, what they do. So first of all, here's the actual uh, the actual bill. And here's what's funny. The actual, they say the short title, which by the way, is actually longer than the full title. And I think that's part of the illusion. Guess what it says? The act may be cited as continuing appropriations and Ukraine Supplemental Appropriations Act 2023. So continuing, right? It's like it's just an open-ended ongoing thing. But then, if you go to the next part, it just says Ukraine Supplemental Appropriations Act. So why is the shortened title the one that includes the reality that it's an ongoing, continuing thing? I just think that's pretty telling. But it's called, again, the, short, the full title is shorter, is longer or shorter, Ukraine Supplemental Appropriations Act 2023. For an, and this is, this is crazy to me. I haven't had the time to go through and add each one of these up. It's a lot. Somebody please do, want to do this. Please let me know because this, this is easily billions of dollars for an, this is the department of defense, military personnel. This is each one of these categories has its own listing and it goes on forever, forever. It's crazy. So here's what it says. Military personnel for an additional amount for military personnel, army $110 million to remain available until September, 2023 military personnel, Navy, that, that was Army. This is Navy. An additional 462000 Same thing, till 2023, September. Military Marines, an additional 600000 Okay, this is underneath the Ukraine Supplemental Appropriations Act. So this is for their Army, their Navy, their military, their Air Force. $11 million to remain until September 2023. Operation and maintenance. For an additional amount for operation and maintenance, six, $654 million. Missed a little bit, you know, no big deal. So September 2023, these are all individual different amounts. $433 million for the operation and maintenance of the Navy. So now we have for, for the actual personnel, then we've got the operation and the maintenance. We are literally funding this entire country right now. I mean, j- just based on the way this looks. Marine Corps, maintenance, same thing. $34 million, $267 million. Air Force, maintenance, so on. Operation, uh, now operation and maintenance, Space Force. Now look, I'm. I, there's no way to, I don't see how this could be anything other then money, it's literally Ukraine Supplemental Appropriations Act. Everything, I don't see, if you, how could you argue that what's listed under that is somehow for the U.S. military? That was the only thought that I had. And it's not. I mean, based on what we can see, this is an entire funding bill included in this for the Ukrainian military. Going forward, Space Force. Great, good, good to know the Ukraine military will have a presence in space. Right, Nazis in space, good times. Operations and maintenance, defense-wide $4 billion, $4,713,000,000. Four and it lists all these different list things and discussions and so on. Uh, military procurement, $450 million. That's for the Army. Procurement of ammunition for the Army, $450 million. Let's just kind of get, let's get past the, I mean, it goes on and on and on. Here's office for the Inspector General, uh, $2 million. No big deal. 
Yeah, I mean, look, you even just get specific right here. And it says to carry out reviews of activities of the Defense Department to execute funds a, a, appropriated in this title, including assistance provided to Ukraine. I mean, see, that kind of makes it sound like it's for the U.S. government. But I mean, either way, you guys decide for yourself on what this part of it is. The reality of this funding going to Ukraine is absolute. I'm just kind of taken aback about all of this money either way. But it is listed under the Ukrainian Supplemental Act. So I don't know how you that seems a little bit weird. But Department of Energy. OK, now this one seemingly has a new title. Now, in any case, there's a lot of money listed underneath this directly for the military underneath Ukraine supplemental appropriations. Right. Yeah, right. And so just to be clear, so this this first one's 110 to respond to the situation in Ukraine and for armed related expenses. So maybe this is for the army that's going to be then used for Ukraine. I mean, it just seems like that's not even very well defined. If it is going to the U.S. military for their personnel in the army, how does that help them respond to Ukraine? Is that implying they're going to be deploying military to Ukraine, even though they already are, by the way? Okay. well, all that aside, because that's convoluted, right, as always. Here is the most important part, because this is specific. Congressional Budget Office estimated discretionary spending under Division B of Senate Amendment Number 5745 to this bill, the Continuing Appropriations and Ukraine Supplemental Act. Six, eight, let's see. Let's look for 5745 real quick. <laughs> Not listed. Anyway. Oh, here's what it says. By fiscal year, and this is millions of dollars. Millions. Just in general, from 2022 to 2032, $7,810 million, whatever that breaks down to. Billions, obviously, right? But the the funding, as far as I could tell, seems to, I guess it goes a little bit to, that's interesting. Look, estimated outlays, whatever that means, they still have $3 million going all the way to 2030. That's interesting, isn't it? It's weird. Does anybody miss the... 2030 overlap and literally everything that's happening. I mean, they're not even hiding it anymore. They're telling you that's what they're aiming at for everything, even the war, apparently. But the main point is 2029. Okay, so it is 2022. We're talking about seven years that just got voted through under a guise of stopping the shutdown for Ukraine. Seven years, billions of funding. Look at this, 2023. And then look, this is just, there's three different categories here. 2023 alone, $7,810 million for the budget authority. <clears throat> Estimated outlays this year alone, or next year alone, I guess, or from here to there, $1,749 million. Then you got energy water development, $35 million, $19 million. Then you got state foreign operations and related programs. What does that even mean? Foreign operations for Ukraine? Mm, that sounds fun. 4,500. Now, of course, you could argue that's U.S. foreign operations in Ukraine. That's just as concerning to me. $4,500 million. You, we're, we're billions and billions and billions have been earmarked here just for this next year for Ukraine. Well, they're not funding people in this country. Gosh darn it. This should be bothering everybody left or right or aware of the two-party illusion, guys. Total budget. Look at how much this is. Somebody in the chat, do the math for me. I don't have a calculator on hand. $12,345 million. What is that? You do That is unbelievable. But then the point is you can see this go forward. I guess we'll just focus on the total, make it simple for you guys. 2024, $1,355 million. Same thing, 1132 for 2025. It goes all the way to 2029 for $233 million. 
I don't even know why we think this makes sense, even if you agree with what's going on over there, right? I mean, this is coming out of your pocket, guys. This is madness. <clears throat> so the U.S. government just committed clearly, as she, as Trust was saying, to fighting this to the bitter end. And as that's that's Ukrainian civilians, Ukrainian people. And then, of course, all the mercenaries they're bringing in, which is usually how this works, like with Syria, that will continue this. This is a never ending pit. And that's what they wanted to draw in Russia. It's exactly what they planned. And the only thing that didn't go to plan was Russia taking over the entire country. Now, to show you why this is so concerning for those that still don't know, Mark Jameson just put this out. And I thought it was just an interesting way to start. BBC's Jerry Bowen pretends to be on the front line whilst a woman looks on seemingly bemused. <laughs> These people are such rid ridiculous people. Like just the, they must know they're lying to you. Yeah, she's like, what's going on over there? Right? He's hiding for his life. They're, they're just fake, guys. Everything about these people are fake. And his point, my 38 years at BBC has been rare to witness events that whatever. And point is, it's a the BBC Nazi apologism, as they point out, as you can see. And the, the link's in there for you to check out. I don't think I opened it over here. No, you can read it right here. Where you'll find this, the Wolf's Angel salute, all these different things. These people are openly Nazi and neo-Nazi and fascist as even they've been forced to admit. So the BBC, oh, the claims of Ukrainian Nazis are exaggerated. And you can see all these lists and so on. The point is simply that it is everywhere and it's impossible to miss. I think that was all that I was going to show on that. But again, here's, a, here's a, a, an article that I'll, you, I'll include for you guys to read. I'm, just, I'm not going to go into it today, but this is from Foreign Policy and Focus. The title is Seven Decades of Nazi Collaboration, America's Dirty Little Ukraine Secret. This is no 2000. This is 2014, guys. The point is, this is not something that's hard to see if you just have an open mind, an objective perspective, and not lost in the two party paradigm. It's undeniable. And again, here's the point: is what the main thing here, guys, is. This is where this began, the, from where the CIA began building this. It's very clear. And as it says there, the key organization in the coup that took place in Ukraine was the Organization for Ukrainian Nationalists. Okay, that's the important part of this. And it was the specific branch of that which broke off supporting Banderas, which was the, the ones that there was a split. And I'll, I'll show you this from CIA documentation between the ones that were, you know, leaning the not were promoting the Nazi idea, idealism and those that went the other direction, essentially. But all of them were fascist leaning nationalists. Not that there's necessarily have to be an overlap between nationalism and anything else. That's what they want you to conflate. But in this case, that's the truth. They're the group behind the Svoboda Party, which, by the way, is this group. This is the Svoboda Party right there, <laughs> right by BBC. While they're telling you they're lying about this. Now, uh, that was the gist of that. Now, I've written about this or done a show on it many times. This, the main one I think is the most important, which is where I go over the CIA documentation, not just Azov. That's the movement. Documents prove the CIA has been cultivating fascism in Ukraine since at least 1948. Now, that was the OSS in 1948, 1953 is when it became the CIA. Same point. They have been cultivating this exact idea, fascism, as a goal stated to use against the Soviet Union and then later Russia, has been on the record. <clears throat> so it's amazing to me that people can even quibble about, one, the use of the word Nazi, and two, that this is exactly what this entity in, at, at, from top to bottom has become. Not that every Ukrainian civilian believes in this. Not that every Ukrainian governmental person is, is necessarily in belief of these ideologies, but it is from the top down overtaken. Now here, for those that haven't seen this, and you can please watch this entire show, 
by case you didn't notice, there's the Azov, <laughs> you know, Nazi symbol over the over the uh, central intelligence thing here. But here's what they're. This is Operation Aerodynamic, posted on 1966. But in the documentation, it lists the dates that go all the way back to 1948. What it says, for op, pro, oh, excuse me, Project Aerodynamic, support for the Ukrainian immigrant group ZPUHVR which is the Ukrainian organization for organization for Ukrainian nationalists. Now it says the objective nationalist flare-ups in widely scattered areas of the Soviet Union and particularly those in the Ukraine give evidence that the complete cohesion of the Soviet peoples toward which the Soviets have striven is far from accomplished. It is considered important to continue to encourage divisive manifestations among Ukrainians. Even so right there in and of itself no matter how you want to be like, well, Soviet's bad or Ukraine bad or Russia bad or whatever else, they are being, they're doing surreptitious, manipulative, dishonest actions by going in there and trying to turn people against their own country. Whether or not you support that, right? That, that's what has to be seen because that's what's happening today. Well, Russia bad, so none of the things we pretend we care about matter, right? No, that's ridiculous. That means you're only consistent in your hypocrisy, but which <clears throat> in turn, <clears throat> excuse me, exert pressure on the Soviet regime, which is the whole point of this entire operation. Project Aerodynamic represents SB Division's only organized contact with the non-Russian people, per se, a nationality group second in strength to the Russians through the ZPUHVR, the foreign representation of the Ukrainian Supreme Liberation Council. Now, this is what we're talking about. A group of anti-Soviet Ukrainian immigrants, I believe, ZPUHVR, contacts with Soviet Ukrainians are being exploited to further the SB objective of recruiting Soviet citizens and as an ancillary intelligence on the USSR will be gathered to satisfy United States needs. How mechanisms function. Now the ZPUHVR, now I think I had, um, I'm going to go over this next. I believe I had something open about that. Let me do this real quick. There it is. I just want you to see really quickly that over that it uh, it's the same. The point is the Ukrainian Supreme, the Council, which one I, I forgot. I must have closed it on accident. Well, in any case, it's, it explains itself in this right here. I'll go through it more. But so this is the the beginning of what became what they're doing here. Now this says <clears throat> the ZPUHVR through the Prologue Research and Publishing Association Inc., which was a cutout as a CIA front. In New York City and Ukraine, where they set these people up. That still happens today. In New York, the cover organization established to conduct its clandestine activity contributes to Ukraine nationalists' ferment to and to intellectual resistance to Soviet repression by exploiting existing and encouraging new deviationist tendencies among Soviet Ukrainians. CIA to support to prologue is based on our knowledge that the more than 42 million Ukrainians in the Soviet Union represent a significant percentage of the non-Russian nationality groups. Now think about how they do this anywhere else and have and still do, right? Like the Kurds or any other group they can use within. I think the Azerbaijan kind of overlap in, and I think it was Iran was one of the groups that, that Robert was talking about that might be used in the future. I think I might be incorrect on the group, but which comprises 45% of the population. Now it says, <clears throat> excuse me, during... The entire history of the Soviet Union, the nationalities have created continue. Uh, that wasn't the point right here. The ZPUHVR is a small, tightly knit group of individuals who were sent from the Ukraine in 1945 by the Ukraine Supreme Liberation Council to make contact with Western intelligence representatives and to act on behalf of the homeland. 
There were four individuals sent from Ukraine and they co-opted a small number of groups arrived in the West. Unlike other political immigrant organizations, they do not have a paid membership. <clears throat> Hold on. I'm, there's a part that I'm going to get to here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Project Aerodynamic operates through Prologue Research and Publishing Association, which was established in 1953 to conduct the clandestine activities of ZPUHVR and Mr. Mykola Lebed, who, starting out, was a Nazi war criminal. That's what he was. Not a neo-Nazi, a Nazi war criminal. He was running from Poland because he assassinated, a, I think it was the foreign minister of Poland, and he was actually put, sentenced to death, and he only got away when they invaded Poland. Right, so the, and this guy's a Nazi war criminal that was rescued by the CIA. He was appointed president of Prologue and became the principal agent for Project Aerodynamic. So there's your easy understanding of how this began. It began with taking Nazis and making a group, setting them up in a company, in a media company, no less, in New York. And setting them up with an agenda to create nationalist, fascist mindsets to use against Soviet Union in Ukraine. That's the basis for what we're watching happen today. He is one of the six individuals who is a wit witting of the CIA support. Very important. Now, let me just skip to the point where. Hold on. I can't believe I didn't highlight that this whole one organization. Oops. What am I? What am I missing here? Hold on a sec, guys. Apologize. I, I have it's all right here. That's that's the organization for Ukrainian nationals. But I wanted to show you on this document. In any case, not to waste any more time. But the bottom line, first of all, is so we're clear that this was the beginning of this agenda, where they were building a fascist mindset with with what their you know nationalist mindset that was anti-Russian to build them in this location with a CIA front in New York and use them to create this this grouping. One last quick look here. Make sure I didn't miss the point that was going for. Here we go. Uh, 1948. There's the, at least the, the list of the date that I was mentioning. As a result of the intensive agency study of the Ukrainian immigrant made, the member, the agency chose to work with this group because it was the official representation of the internal resistance movement in Ukraine. And is also because it was the most operationally reliable and politically most acceptable. That's important to understand. They want, they're looking for this kind of mindset. It is true, an internal movement does not actively exist at present. So that's also important to understand. They, that they're, what they're claiming was an, an organic movement that you, or, you know, was not the case. It was a dwindling movement that was, really didn't exist at the moment that they put Michael Lebed in charge of and they grew this. It says, however, many members of the old movement plus many young supporters are alive today and feelings of nationalism is very much alive. Right. So they they harnessed this. They they went into here. They went into this group and they made this happen. And I'll see the supporters are active politically independence. Says the publications of the group are used for the dissemination of pro-Western ideologies and anti-communist material and the goodwill which the which maintains toward the United States government is an important, though intangible asset. <clears throat> OK. Now, I know there's a part that I'm missing in here. I forget why I lost it, but let's just go to the main point here, which is understanding what these groups actually are. 
Founded in 1929 in Poland as a party pursuing an independent Ukraine, the organization of Ukrainian nationalists engaged in armed anti-Soviet resistance. This is the group that is working with the CIA in Ukraine and the U.S. government. This article, based on documents issued by the top Organization for Ukrainian Nationalist agencies, discusses the political affiliation of Ukrainian nationalists. It concludes that the OUN's ideology, structure, objectives, and practice identify as a national socialist version of a fascist party, right? So the idea of the nationalist focus is exact. It's, it's in this case, does overlap with fascism because that's what they are. That's what they were they, and believed in. That's what they're pushing forward. Its members continue to think and act as fascists. Fascists elsewhere met their demise as soon as their respective countries had been overrun by their enemies, whereas differently, the Organization for Ukrainian Nationalist Resistance somehow lasted for six years after this happened. Right, because this is where the CIA stepped in and kept them going. Fascists survived longer in Western Ukraine than anywhere else in Europe. What an interesting overlap. Of course, they subtly shifted Right. So they can pretend this went away over the years, but it didn't, though. That's the reality. This is under a study on the organization in regard to its fascist armed resistance. Now, here is my point about how this changed. And you and oh, that this is what it was. I'm sorry. I for, I knew I had I know it's in this document, by the way, to, not to confuse anybody. But here you can see under a CIA.gov FOIA request so it's from the CIA. <clears throat> the reorganization of the foreign section, the foreign section of the organization of Ukrainian nationalists. ZCH slash OUN, right? So the, the overlap, just so it's clear. This is on 2013. Look at that. Halfway through the year, just before 2014, which is when the re regime change happened, right? So my point is, I think there's one other part I had down here. Yeah, see, right there. To the general secretary of the ZPUHVR, Michael Olibet. So they're talking about reorganizing and they mentioned this in here as well, like the shift between Bandera and the other group. And they went with the bad guy group. It's all on the record, guys. That's what's so amazing to me that we can even debate about what they've done there. This is 2013. This isn't back in 1948. This is 2013, where they are siding with the most extreme version of this group and talking about reorganizing the group and, and, and in a direction that will then they can argue aren't what they say they are or people say they are. It's all on the record. Okay, so when we see things like this, and not even to get into all the very, very obvious proof of them actually being Nazis and saluting and using the symbols and, and praising the Nazi whore heroes and everything else, it's just their simple actions are undeniable. Vanessa Bealey points out, we live in an increasingly dystopian world where Nazis, and again, that's the point. These people literally, in some cases, are Nazis, are being celebrated and their genocidal crimes normalized. This is actually what the Daily Mail put out. I don't even understand how we can pretend like this doesn't show you exactly who they are. Or at the very least, what it should scare you, what it should, what it should show you, which is scary, which is that people all around the West are okay with this as long as it's done against the bad guys, right? So we'll pretend we're fighting for Russian civilians too, but it's, or, or even for Ukrainians. But the moment those Ukrainians go through a referendum and vote elsewhere, well, we're going to murder them. Yay, bad guy, Russia. But then moments later say, we're fighting for the peoples of Ukraine, right? No, you're not. I mean, it can't be more clear. These people have assassinated bloggers in their cars, murdered people in the streets, faked deaths and blamed them on Russia, and then been proven to lie about that, and then nobody talks about it in the corporate media over and over and over. The title is, we're hunting them down like sh and shooting them like pigs. How the Ukrainians are taking brutal revenge on the collaborators who betrayed their neighbors and country. That's how they frame it. And some cases they're talking about people that maybe helped the Russians, 
But first of all, if it's supposed to be a democracy, you don't just go, well, they're war. Well, no, that's so that's so you're OK with the U.S. government murdering civilians is because well, it's wartime. Well, no, because you pretend you care about that. So why are you giving them an out? Well, it's because you really don't care about that. But the point was, they're also murdering people that just wanted to go to you to Russia, people that were happy about the referendum. That's actually happening. And the Daily Mail seems completely OK posting that and, and supporting it. The entire article very clearly gives it, it, it leans into supporting this because bad guys. And she also points out British media is effectively punishing or excuse me, publishing wanted posters for Putin lobbying for assassination. Worth remembering, feckless Chris York is on their payroll. How low they stoop in service to their, their uh, rapacious controllers. This is the sun. Why is Putin not named the world's number one terrorist with a vast bounty on his head? I mean, this is a gigantic step away from, you know, assassinating the illusion of Osama bin Laden or the illusion of Baghdadi. Even if they were real, we're talking about something different than a head of state of one of the most, the largest and nuclear powered countries in the world. But yeah, let's just pretend we can just assassinate it with no big deal, right? It's even if they even mentioned it. Here's my point about before we get into the nuclear conversation. That if Putin said, <clears throat> if it was necessary and if something was about to like, and, and we, we got intelligence, they were about to risk people's lives that we would choose to in defense assassinate Biden or whatever. I'm just giving all that earlier stuff. Just to, they would turn that around and say, he just threatened to murder Biden tomorrow. Right. We've seen how childish they will take things out of context. But even that, rightly so, would be a big deal because he mentioned that assassinating a president. So that's crazy. But the point is, in return, they can just float the idea. We should just murder him because bad guy. And that's no big deal because, you know, we're the good guys. In, this, in the context of the nuclear discussion, they literally lie about what he said. Well, he'll say, look, I, nothing's off the table. I'll, I, I will defend myself if you attack me. And then, and then they go, no, he's going to threaten nuclear bombs everywhere. We're all going to die by radiation pills. Like it's crazy madness. Now, is it possible he could? Of course it is. But it's stemming from literally nothing. In fact, we're going to go into how they're the ones threatening nuclear attacks now. Two days, a day later after they're screaming about we're all going to die from nuclear attacks. I mean, it, it is schizophrenic. But first, let's show you how dangerous these people are and then discuss how they're talking about nuclear attacks right now. Daily Mail. We're hunting them down like pigs. Ukrainians were beaten, electrocuted, and forced to endure mock executions when Russia overtook this area. Now, what you're going to quickly see throughout this terribly written article, journalism can't even be just can't even used in the same paragraph with this garbage. It is all what Ukraine said happened. Now, does that mean it didn't happen? I don't know. No, that doesn't mean that for sure. It could mean that. But what it does mean for sure is the Daily Mail nor anybody else knows whether it happens. We're willing to take, they're willing to take at face value the claims of the Ukrainian military, the government, despite them routinely being shown to lie about things exactly like this over and over and over, despite how all the sycophants don't want to acknowledge how that's the reality. The ghost of Kiev was a lie. The idea of Russia raping children was proven to be a lie that they were forced to admit to. They just don't want to talk about that. That's just two of like 30, 50 different times they've lied about this stuff. Bucha, the train station. We've proven these things, guys, like mathematically proven that rocket couldn't have come from where they say it did. But nobody cares. Or even the idea of the fact that Bucha was resting solely on a CIA front, Maxar Technologies company that was proven to not even have satellites in the air when they claim they took those pictures. I mean, this is basic. 
I did this all past in the shows, but they keep pointing at them the same way they point at Syrian chemical attacks. Like we still don't know that there's a lies, right? That they've been proven not to be what they said they were. But here we are back to the story where they're going, Russia did all this stuff. Ukraine says they leave that part out. They don't even have the courage to say we were told by Russian officials. They just claim that that's the case. But of course, Daily Mail is basically the tabloid of the mainstream media. But nonetheless, it's, it's happening on all the other ones, too. The interrogations were carried out by officials from Russia's Federation Security Service. Ukraine said that's what that's what this is. I can prove that some Ukrainians were assisting Vladimir Putin's war crimes and theft of their land and how it is. It has now emerged, according to Ukrainian officials. Well, first of all, the statement is they were assisting Putin or rather assisting the Russian military. Now, the art, the assumption is that people, well, we know they're committing land theft and murder and war crime. Well, no, we don't know that. It's certainly possible. Now, I believe that any military does commit these kind of acts because you're talking about individual people. You can't realistically control every single person's actions in a war. So that's if you want to look at some horrific realities about what happens in war, look at what the U.S. government did in Iraq or rather the people that they allowed to do these things in Iraq. But of course, in that case, we can prove that in many cases they were ordered to rape children and rape women. That was testified to in front of in front of officials by people in the war. But sorry to make it a disgusting point there. But that's the reality. But again, overall, the point is that it happens. So even under Russia's military, I promise you there's been murder. There's been theft. This happens in war. That's not to make it okay, though. Everyone should be accountable for these crimes. My point is that the Ukrainian military lies about this left and right, which should make you wonder why they have to. That says something in and of itself. But also that they're actively hiding what they're doing, actively hiding what they really are. And then going... And, and faking events over and over. And yet every time they say something, they just go, Ukraine says, or in this case, don't even say that. They just go, this is what happened. Great job, journalists. Kiev has apparently opened investigations. Great. We've investigated, you know, into other people. But I was going to joke, you know, as always, we investigated ourselves and found ourselves not guilty. Of course, if it was them behind it, they won't find that. So the point does stand. Investigates uh, 1,309 suspected traitors and launched 450 prosecutions of collaborators. So traitors. So you're not allowed to be a member of Ukraine or a citizen of Ukraine and just decide you want to go to Russia. You're a traitor. That's what they'll tell you in this article and what they're doing. Is that democracy? Is that even is that any form of representative government? Is that freedom? Is this is this I mean, imagine if Iran was murdering people that wanted to flee to the next country. You already, I mean, it would, it would be the end of, everybody would lose their minds. But here we have Ukraine openly doing that. And then the media is going, look at them. Look at what they're doing in the fight for freedom. Others accused of betraying their nation. I mean, even the, the way they're talking about this, guys, it's openly fascist, are being tracked down and slaughtered by resistance fighters. Now, be clear, we're not talking about uh, um, treason. Right. These people are not military personnel. We're not talking about them committing any kind of crime. In some cases, they argue they, let's say, gave the positions away of the military. But even then, shouldn't they then have a trial? Shouldn't they be proven to be guilty? Well, no, they tie him to a post. They shoot him in the head. They shoot him in the leg. They, 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 we've seen all this stuff. They beat them. And then they claim that Russia is doing all this while they're provably doing this to people and laughing about it. Survivors told of being dragged to a torture chamber where they were beaten, electrocuted, and forced to endure mock executions. Now, where are they? Who are these people? The only thing in this entire article are two people at the very bottom that don't have the same statements. They just simply say, as I'll go into, that they were, you know, took people away and they and they took they, two months, they, they came back. And then they overlap that with a bunch of statements that we can't verify. 
Who was dragged to a torture chamber? Where were they beaten? Where Can you prove that? Now, I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm just saying how crazy it is that a known lying government is taken at face value. And they don't even have the nerve to say Ukraine said, because but that is what it is. And you'll see that throughout the article. The interrogations were carried out by officials from Russia. And here's my point. According to documents retrieved after the town's recapture last month. By who exactly? By whom? Oh, obviously the Ukraine government. But I'm weird. They just don't say that, right? Are we going to pretend that the Daily Mail was there scooping up documents? No, they are taking at face value what the Ukrainian government says they found. That's it. Why wouldn't they post pictures of those documents? These are basic questions, guys. Yet the interrogators were helped by local stooges. They're trying to frame anybody there that has that, that helped Russia, let's say, or that decided they thought it was better or thought they realized the Ukraine government is overrun by a by the U.S. government and outside forces, and they're all Nazis or all Nazi neo-Nazis. They're all fascists. So they decided to not work with that anymore. It doesn't matter how you spin it. It doesn't matter if you think they're traitors. They should not be murdered without trial, especially with what they claim they are. Don't forget, Ukraine was the first government to institute all the great reset agendas, right? The equitable, sustainable future of peace and love, right? And they're murdering people in the streets because they don't say the right thing. Yeah, shocking. That like, sounds like what the great reset's going to be in some ways. Not to be too over the top, but here's what it says. Videos from social media showed Russian troops lying face down in front of Ukraine forces. Okay, so if you wanted any indication, this is like a gloating article to like wave in your face that the Ukrainians are winning and we're good and Russia bad. Ask yourself why in an article discussing how people are being tortured by Russian forces and how they took back the area and found all this bad stuff. And the picture they show first is Russians being held on the ground. Like, what's the context there? What does that even have to do with what you're talking about other than to go, yeah, they're losing. Look at them on the ground. Seriously, guys, I mean, ask yourself that. What does that have to do with what they're saying right there? The last paragraph makes no mention of anything that that picture shows or the fact that they had an area. take. I mean, it's crazy. Other than the beginning that says they took an area back. It's very strange and very telling. They All these people are tapped into an agenda, virtue signaling to somebody above them. Recent fatalities include this person here, a wedding toastmaster appointed mayor of a town who died after his car was blown up. Okay, so apparently you get appointed mayor of a town that you're trying to maintain. Like, let's say you're there and you don't want to support Russia, but you just want to help save the children and the people starving. So you just go along with whatever's happening. How about he was forced to do it at gunpoint? Or how about none of that? The point is, we don't know any of this. And the point is, even if he was supporting Russia, didn't this area is now taken over. This is his home. I mean, I'm not even trying to give kind of uh, justifications here. The point is, no matter what the narrative is, they murdered this person. They get, they put a bomb in his car and blew it up. And they're bragging about that. And the Daily Mail is bragging for them. Now, to jump ahead very quickly, speaking of cars blowing up, we're going to get to a point in a moment where, guess what? It just turned, it just got, the U.S. admits that Ukrainians were behind the bombing that killed the daughter of Dugan. Now, now you're going to question whether they also murdered this guy in his car or murdered that blogger in his car, right? This is what these people are. And you have your, your governments and the media parroting and blindly supporting these people as if this is virtuous good stuff because you're doing the villainous bad things against Putin. This is the reality though, guys. This is what we saw in Syria. As much as they want to pretend they're fighting for freedom, they're supporting the terrorist people. They're supporting the moderate rebels. As long as they fight Assad, it's an inverse of reality if you understand what's happening, or their stated reality anyway. 
Others are being tracked down and slaughtered by resistance fighters. So either way you spin this, they're admitting the Ukrainian government and their forces are murdering people. Slaughtering is what the Daily Mail used. A list passed to this newspaper. So even the Daily Mail is getting a list of people they're going to murder. I mean, couldn't you argue that makes the Daily Mail complicit with not showing that and telling people, hey, these are people about to get killed by the Ukrainian government for, for with no due process. No, who cares, right? Because as long as it's bad guy Russia, just like as long as it's good vaccine, there's no question. You don't even have to prove your statements because vaccine's all good no matter what, right? Because Russia bad no matter what, right? It's childish. A list was passed to them by a Kiev government source identifying 29 retribution killings. So not only are they showing you who we're going to go after, they're proving we just killed 29 people with 13 more assassination attempts left open or with wounded targets. A hunt has been declared on collaborators, they say, with their life is their life is not protected by law. Oh, so it's not a democracy then? All the sycophants are going to go, it's wartime. You can't deal with it at wartime. Okay, so you don't care about these rules and human rights then? So as long as you just scream it's wartime, it's okay that other people do that? So wouldn't you argue that it's okay that Russia does it during wartime? Oops, that doesn't make sense, does it? So why are you only okay with Ukraine doing these things because war? Even though you can't prove Russia even did them. But you see, when Russia even they state they even might have done them, war crimes! But they're also in a war. Oh, but they started it. You see, it, cuts, it gets down to like kindergarten level arguments. Either way you look at it, this is hypocrisy. Not protected by law. Yeah, because these people don't have laws. They are murdering people in the streets. This is from one of their advisors, an advisor to the Interior Ministry. You know, the most, in, most prominently overrun group by the Azov movement. Our intelligence services are eliminating them, shooting them like pigs. That is their statement. These are people that they're talking about, by the way, that have either been murdered or are being focused on. It says, oh, this, this is interesting, by the way. This whole section, by the way, this whole section is just blindly stating what they were told. And nowhere does it even mention that they just are repeating what Ukraine told them. But all of it stems from the same point of where that you can mention once in here that it says Russians or Ukraine told us. Local officials told Ukrainian journalists. But all of it is saying torment and they're, they're talking about murdering people. Other collaborators evaded capture. Collaborators and traitors. And it's just sickening that the, that the corporate media of the West is happily talking about this without really even giving you the other perspective here. What if they aren't traitors? What if they're lying to you? Sergey Bolivnov, lead investigator for police in the Kharkov region, says the tortures were all different. Right again, so the point is all of it's coming from people under the Ukrainian government who have been lying over and over about stuff. Again, not to say that it's all false. But the point is we don't know, and neither does the Daily Mail, but they're happy to tell you about it. One woman I met, this writer says, near the top of, of this area, close to Belarus, wept after telling me about the murder of her two brothers who were identified as Russian troops by a neighbor in her village. Now, there's a couple things to think about here. Again, I made it clear. Could that have been Russians? 100%. It wouldn't even surprise me. Military, during wartime, acts terribly. In general, really, to be honest, in any government or any controlled... But the point is, we've already seen evidence of, of Ukrainians, military, dressing like Russians, using Russian vehicles they took. We've already seen this. They got, they got caught on video. Steal and are dropping Russian uh, uniforms in the street. And one of the, the women saw them do that and said, look, those are Ukrainians dropping Russian. They've all been on the record. So why wouldn't we ask whether these aren't Russians doing this? 
just as a possibility. And you can ask the same thing in reverse. Of course you can. But there's an overwhelming amount of evidence on one side and a bunch of trust us narratives on the other, just to point that out. But on top of that, ask yourself, and when we get into this next point about this, is that you hear stories like this, is that people come out and say, this is what happened. And others hear that, and that, that becomes the reported story. Did they see this stuff happen? So again, we have somebody telling her about something they saw happen. That's not even secondhand, that's whatever. That's, it, it, this is the kind of stuff they're telling you. Someone pointed out our house. I don't know who. How do you live after this? That's it. So, I mean, the idea is that they murder people. Unverifiable. And it goes into this point down here. Last week, alarmed by Ukrainian advances, Putin annexed four territories. Well, that's not what happened. Held by a sham referendum. So how can you trust anything they're saying here? One, one, this has been ongoing since the beginning. The Donbass region declared their independence right in the beginning, and this has been a building process. So to, to just very ignorantly argue that he was alarmed by advances, right? They want you to think suddenly he's losing, which is just, again, so ridiculous. Doesn't mean it might not happen eventually, but it's like on a dime. All of a sudden, they get one little move, and they say, oh, they're, they're losing, and he's about to nuclear bomb everybody. But alarmed by advances, he just re reflexively annexes areas. Well, no, it's kind of hard to reflexively hold a referendum where they have hundreds of international observers and they vote and they're observed to be legitimate. And they all, I mean, come on, this is just dumb. You have to see how willfully ignorant this is. They are misinforming you. They, and that is a choice. But they go on to say other collaborators have been less fortunate. There have been at least 29 they've killed in March, starting in March with the mayor of a town in Lugansk. So now let's wonder why these people want to stay in Ukraine. Like, again, it's that transparent. They just admitted to murdering the mayor of a town in the Donbass region in March, before all of this. And then we're going to wonder why they don't want to be a part of Ukraine. Then you have to ask yourself how willfully ignorant the writers of these articles are when they're the ones arguing that they're, it's a sham referendum. And in the very next paragraph, you go, they murdered the mayor of the town, but they want to be part of Ukraine. They're fighting it. I mean, come on. Silly, silly stuff here. The, the, the mayor of this town was shot in the heart after being abducted from his home. You know, freedom, democracy. One, And this is not because he's anything other than a town that has already declared itself independent and is just being that. How is that anything other than them mercilessly, vindictively murdering somebody that they don't want to be around based on his political beliefs? And Daily Mail going, yay! Such killings are presumed to be the work of the resistance movement, orchestrated by Ukraine's special forces. It has become increasingly well-organized. Recent fatalities include Ivan Sushko, a wedding toastmaster, appointed mayor of a town of this region who died in August after his car was blown up. The partisans seek to spread fear through such killings. I mean, this is what they're reporting. So now you're openly reporting that they're murdering people because they don't have the right opinions and that they want to scare everybody. But yeah, let's wonder why Ukrainians want to be, with, be under this government. In one town, activists posted pictures online of a local graveyard with names of collaborators pasted on the headstones. This is what's happening there in the free country of Ukraine, apparently. Don't forget, by the way, the overlap of, you know, hunting them down like pigs, that right in the beginning of all this, the Azov movement, specifically Azov fighters, were, were caught on video, and it's still there, by the way, greasing up their bullets with pig fat because they were fighting Muslims, the Chechenians specifically. It's right here. Azov fighters, the national, this is their account, guys. It's, it's the National Guard of Ukraine. And they're going, look at us. We're doing this and we're proud of it. Fighting against the, the orcs. That's the derogatory term they use for them. 
So what they're doing is putting fat, pig fat specifically on the bullets. Anybody that's a Muslim knows that that's a really, that's, that is a, like they wouldn't go to heaven when they died is what they believe. And they're laughing. They think this is hilarious. These are the people you support. The Azov movement, specifically the National Guard, is gigantic. And very still prominent in all of this. They've been forced to admit that. But yeah, we'll send billions upon billions of dollars to them until 2029 for freedom. Right. And and here's another example of a story that they all shouted down and yelled about and gave fake narratives for until finally they go, oh, oops, looks like Ukraine murdered these people in another country. In Moscow, guys, this is an, a unilateral assassination of somebody completely disconnected from what's going on in Ukraine in the context of, you know, a wartime situation. This is the equivalent of murdering some some high level purse politicians, family member in, in the United States. Like Russia just assassinating somebody in the, in, the, in the capital of the country. I mean, this is so far out of bounds in even what they pretend are the rules for war. And nobody cares. Kiev has always denied responsibility for this attack. So they're lying. So right there, you, you, they are lying about everything, guys. The daughter of the prominent Russian nationalist, Dugan, in August. But U.S. intelligence agencies have now concluded that the explosion was sanctioned by parts of the Ukrainian government and a closely held assessment shared with the U.S. government last week. It's unclear if Zelensky signed off on it or not. Of course. U.S. officials, uh, this is interesting, have speculated that the real target of the assassination was, du- was, was Dugan, Alexander Dugan, a, lead- a leading cheerleader of Russia's war in Ukraine known to wield significant influence. All right, so is that make it any different? They're, I mean, they don't even have the nerve to be like, this is a war crime. This is, these people should be, they should be taken to, in front of a tribunal. Why? I mean, can you even imagine the article that would be different if it was the reverse? If it was even suggested that Putin might have assassinated somebody in the United States? You know what it would look like. It would look very different than this. And it would be riddled with war crime and dictator and whatever else they want to use. It really that childish today. Here's just going back to August, <laughs> very recently. Russia blames Ukraine for car blast that killed Putin's ally's daughter. Ukraine is denied involvement, and they just go on to the same kind of point. They just basically shout it down the whole time. But we need to remember, endlessly they've been lying to you. Here's just one of the examples I mentioned. This is from the Ron, Ron Paul Institute. Ukrainian officials admit that she lied about Russians committing mass rape to convince countries to send more weapons. That was on the record. She openly said this, and they, even her own government called her out. So even if that was the only example, there's no reason anything they say should be taken at face value. But that's one of an endless ma- amount of examples. I'm not even talking about the big ones. Uh, check out that. Uh, let me see if I can grab it. If it comes up quick, I'll bring it up. The Off Guardian article. Yep, there it is. Uh, oh, that's the wrong one. There it is. I'll include this so you can read it. Please do. This this was done. Kit Knightley put this out right in the beginning. February 27th. I mean, the, the main one is the ghost of Kiev. That was later definitively proven. And again, even they said, nah, it's not real. It doesn't happen. It doesn't exist. Not true. Seven fake news stories. And these were gigantic. Using fake, using video games to claim they shot down Russian troops. I mean, it's just crazy. And bringing this to now, here's another statement. Russians bombed Kiev. Right. They are desperate to make it out to be that Russia is just, you know, desperately flailing about and bombing into civilian areas, which certainly could be true. But I see zero evidence about it. They've been trying to make it sound like he was aiming at Kiev from the beginning. Remember, I kept telling you this. 
they the day this started, before it even began, they were going, tanks are rolling into Kiev, and that very quickly went away. Those were numerous corporate reports. Where did that come from? Who told them to say that? I think they expected Putin to brush through the country so they could then act like it was an insurrection, like the CIA and the and foreign policy wrote about. And they've all been telling you. That was the design. They wanted that to be the case. He didn't take the bait, apparently. But here we are, bombing Kiev, they say. Now, again, certainly possible. I'll hold out to see something that proves it. Now, if you just because you can see bombs or things blowing up does not mean it was done by Russia or Ukraine, for that matter. It could be Israel. It could be the United States. It could be anybody. The point is we should demand proof. The fact that you would even balk at me saying that shows a problem. You can't just be like, it must be them because we know Russia will do that. Ukraine wouldn't. I mean, that's the kind of thing they expect. And I don't think, I don't even think most people are that stupid. That's the ones they want to speak up. But of course, local officials say that's just, that's right there. That's the end of it. Now you should finish it, but right there you should go, okay, so they don't know. This is complete statements from Ukraine, which if they just lied about this and, and this and, and that and all these, maybe we should go, okay, maybe it's not true. Just maybe. But that's, that's the point. Local officials told them this is what happened. Two attacks on, on cities overnight in Kiev. Now it says preliminary reports point to Russia launching kamikaze drones. So we're already past proving that it was even Russia to begin with. Now we're trying to prove what they used. That's how this works. How about we prove that they actually did it first? The attack caused several explosions in the region of, of about 200,000 people in an hour. Now, I think the reason they're doing this is because what has been proven over and over and over by multiple independent journalists and even corporate media to a small degree, the Ukrainian military has been bombing directly into the civilian center of the Don, of specifically Donetsk, Donetsk in the Donbass region. Over and over. Now, I mean, I think Eva Bartlett's got evidence of that. So has uh, uh, Patrick Lancaster and a couple of other independents that I saw there. But again, even the corporate media was forced to report that it was happening. There's torn bodies strewn throughout the street. And you can prove that it was the Ukrainian terror. They were even owning some of these attacks. There's no debating this. Because the attack was caused several explosions. Yeah, and, and to the point is they're trying to make it sound like they're doing it in the populated areas. Now, again, it's certainly possible, but I'd like to see proof first. Just, just you know, call me crazy. Quote, do not ignore the alarm signal. Go to shelter immediately, says one of the Ukrainian officials. Take care of yourself and your loved ones. The air alert continues. Okay, that was my point from before. Now, what happens when all these families rush into their areas? Now, let's, maybe they're not wildly pro-Ukraine government, but they're, they're definitely Ukrainians and they, they don't speak Russian. And they don't want to be on Russia's side. Okay. So they run into these areas and then things start exploding and the, arm, the alerts go out and then they come out of here believing that Russia did all this. Now, what happens when CNN walks up to me and goes, what just happened? Oh, Russia's bombing and we had to flee. And those are the reports I think you get. All you had, all that happened was they told them it was coming. They run underground and hear things explode and they come out with the idea that that happened, right? Or the idea that people could come up in Russian uniforms and all these different things. The only reason I'm floating those ideas is because they have already happened. It has been proven that that's already happened in both regards. Okay, so whether they're bombing civilian locations of, of, of Kiev, you should question. I don't buy it personally for a lot of different reasons. I don't understand why strategically that would make sense. Wouldn't put it past any government for murdering people for no reason, but usually there's some kind of an agenda along with it, some kind of benefit or, or sabotage to somebody else. But you know, you evidence is all we should ask for. Now here's the most ridiculous that this kind of blows me away. Now, first of all, Paul Ronsheimer here, this is his article. 
I'm absolutely blown away by the by the way he frames it on Twitter versus what the article actually says. The article from the very beginning undermines and questions whether this is even real. And yet this is what he posts on Twitter. Now, remember, this is a German article, so it's actually in German. I had to translate it. So most people in the United States won't translate it. They're going to read this. He says exclusive. Build is the is the platform. We spoke to local dentist, Sergey, in the village about his horror photo. That's these teeth, apparently. I'll show you in a second. The teeth look like the ones from my cabinet. My house was looted by Russians. They come from people that I treated all these years. I took these teeth out. Now, even his statement, by the way, is not even that definitive. That's all he posts. Now, ask yourself why Paul, who wrote this article, would post that, knowing people are going to read that and go, wow, proof that they that they tortured people and took their teeth out, right? Well, let's take a look at the actual article first. Well, here, let's, you can see the, the post here. This is, for, oh, it's in the article, actually. This is from the Defense of Ukraine. Torture chamber in the, in the area that they, they took, they took back essentially, or I'm not, you know, I'm not sure how you want to frame this. If it's Russia's strategic retreat for other reasons or however you want to talk, either way, they still took the area back and Russia still retreated. That is what happened. Even Russia said that two photos, a gas mask that was put on the head of a victim. <laughs> okay. So why would you would put a gas mask? I guess you could put something in the gas mask, but it's just a gas mask. Why the gas mask picture, gas mask picture is included. It just, it seems they want it to look scary. But it says victim was covered with a smoldering rag and burned alive. Okay, why the gas mask shows that. And a box of golden dent gold gold denture crown dental crowns. A mini Auschwitz, they say. Of course, the shout out to the, the Nazis they want you to think the Russians are. How many more will be found in occupied Ukraine? How funny. Occupied Ukraine, which it already is, whether or not Russia's there, by the way, occupied by outside forces, predominantly the US government. But here's that dentist holding this bowl of teeth. Okay. So the point was. His statement in the tweet is, this is Russia. I know I took the teeth out. That's what he wants you to take from it. Here's the article. Do these gold teeth really come from torture victims? I mean, I mean, you don't even see the title here, right? Look at what this is. It says, Bill met with the village dentist. The same guy. He contradicts. I mean, okay. That doesn't make any sense with what he said over there. Let's keep going. It was a grisly suspicion that the Ukrainian Ministry of Defense voiced on Twitter. Now, first of all, if you looking at these teeth, guys, I, especially this one here, or where it was, I think it's further down. These teeth are by, I mean, most of these in here, they look like fake grill teeth that you buy at, Wal, at Walgreens. Now, those look like there's some smaller ones, look like caps and so on. Just my personal opinion, who has, I mean, they don't look real to me. Just to be clear. Now, let's go through this. It says, international media, such as the British Telegraph, took up the untested assumption that the teeth came from Russian torture chambers. So already, Telegraph happily parroted the idea that this is Russian torture, and they did this because teeth were found. Okay, how can you prove that the teeth, one, came from Ukrainian people, two, that Russian pulled them out, and three, that that's even what happened at all from anybody? Couldn't it just be a bunch of fake teeth in a bowl and a gas mask and part of the ongoing Ukrainian lie apparatus, psyop apparatus, whatever? Yes, it could be. But the Telegraph happily parroted that. Big surprise. But the tweet went out. Everybody shared it. It says, Build reporters yesterday visited the recently liberated village in the Kharkov region and found victims who confirmed the torture of Russian soldiers by Russian soldiers. Now, I'll show you what they say there. 
Oh wait, did I skip this? Oh, that's right. No, I, I was conf I was confusing the two articles. The ones I was pointing out about the people that they framed, that's in this article. I'll show you what they say. But it says, however, the teeth that they found did not appear to come from the dead or tortured, but from patients at a local dentist. Okay, that's a little interesting. So this very clearly makes it sound like they tortured people. At the very least, they're involved with stealing these things and they come from people he treated all these years. That makes it sound like they took them out of people as well as his house. That's the underlying point. One, they did not come from torture people. Okay, so the whole story that makes that the center point is an illusion if they already know that. Then it says, quote, this is what the dentist said. Now, I don't know why you, this is just one guy who we don't know his perspective. Or, and the, even if you believe what he says here, this is not proof of anything. I'll show you what he says. These teeth look like the ones. There you go. Okay, so these teeth look like something. It's not proof of anything. They look like the ones from my collection that was looted here. Okay, so he's under the impression that people took these things from his house, which they probably did. Even Russian soldiers, I have no doubt about that. Now they look like the ones from his house. That's not proof. That's a suggestion. They say they confronted uh, with the photo of the ministry. He said, quote, I'm the only dentist here. So if they were found here, they must be mine. Okay, they look like the ones. And if they were found here, that's th th about as subjective as you get. It's a guess. The doctor suspects that Russians stole the teeth because they thought they were real gold and to intimidate the Ukrainians. So let's just write his opinion. Nearby residents reported to me that Russians apparently used this to scare people. So secondhand reports, nothing about this stands to be... Actually, let me see if the uh, posted... Of course not. The Telegraph article. I want to see what their headline was. Let's see. Old Teeth uh, Telegraph. Let's see if that comes up. Old Telegram. Damn it. There you go. Here's what it says. Box of gold teeth pulled from Ukrainians. Yeah, see what I mean? at Russian torture chamber. I mean, how pathetic is that? So this is what they're basing their entire discussion on. The fact that they look like teeth I might've had. And if they did come from it, then it would have been mine. That's it. That's the story. That is pathetic. They should not be allowed to post content. Oh, I shouldn't say that because under the guise that they're mainstream corporate media, that they're always telling the truth. That's the point. When it says, when asked if the crowns could have come from dead people, you know, pushing in with their narrative. Ooh, could they, couldn't they have pulled them too, though? <laughs> oh my God, no, he said. They come from people I've treated over the years. I took these teeth out because they were bad. It's not clear where the gas mask in the photo shared on the internet came from, but one thing is certain. I don't know why. Cruel torture was practiced in the village, as in many other places occupied by Russians. Again, taking things that haven't been proven to bolster a story that's unverified. Several residents told Bill that they kept hearing cries from other buildings. You see my point, guys? So what? So these, I, I heard things over there. Well, couldn't that have been Ukrainians too? No, no. I'm just floating the alternative. Could have been Russians. Absolutely. But I don't know why, first of all, this represents the millet, the Russian government making this happen. Same point you can apply to Ukrainians. There's a bunch of maniacs there that are going there because they're that they're neo-Nazis and so on from all over the world, by the way. That's a reported story from long before this. So them carrying out terrible acts doesn't even have to reflect on the government itself. But we know that it does because they are promoting these things. But it says, 
This person, 46 years old, is one of the victims. Quote, here's what it says. They just took me with them. When I was beaten, they said, if you don't work with us, we'll shoot you in the leg and that's it. Well, that sounds a lot like what the Ukraines literally verbatim have been doing. But I wouldn't put that past Russian soldiers either. It says, why, we, why should we shoot him in the legs? We're going to have to deal with him like the other one. It says, I think they wanted to scare him. And then here he is. Oh, so he didn't die then. Okay, so they said things and let him go. Hmm, that's, that's, that's damning, right? Okay, so the argument is that these Russian soldiers took him and then threatened him and let him go. That's what happened. Meanwhile, we have them promoting that they're murdering people in the streets, but for freedom on the Ukraine side, right? Here's what it says. The next one, 46 year old. Well, oh, sorry. That was this person, this woman. That was this one. This next one, this man, 46, was held by Russians for weeks. His wife told Bild, about eight people came to our courtyard to check the papers. I got mine, but my husband was taken right away because he was on the list. He was gone for two months, apparently. For five days, the Russian soldiers held him in a cellar, beat him, and took him to other towns and villages. There he had no clean, to clean streets. Later, the Russian soldiers forced him to dig, dig ditches, and now he's back. So, oh, actually, in this case, they did say, just took it with him when I was beaten, they said. Okay, so she claims she was beaten too. So, okay, so they got beat up, they got held, they got released. Now, I'm not saying that's okay. That's horrible. But do you see quite a contrast with what you can prove happening elsewhere? All they do is take this kind of narrative, which happens in any war, a lot worse, by the way, too. And if this was, think about it like this. If this was Ukrainians being called out by the other side, saying, look at what they did. They took this woman, they beat her, they threatened to shoot her, and they let her go. Can you even imagine what the sycophants on the Ukraine side would say? It's a war, you kid. It's Russians, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. You know there would be, and except they're doing that right now for open murder in the streets. But you have this narrative from the other side, and it's, oh my God, they're a bunch of terrorists, Nazis, killing everybody because they say there's stories of other torture happening around all of this that we can't prove. But here's someone who says they were kidnapped and let go. That's that's it. And the Telegraph is literally arguing this is 100% true based on all that. Now, here's an important point I want to make. Nicola 3 shared this. Here's a kid walking along this crazy drop, which just makes me cringe. Oh, watch out. Look at that. That's crazy. Oh, watch out. He's going to fall. Okay, so... The point is, you can't believe what you see and hear anymore. The war in Ukraine, specifically. Here's why this is a point to make. So it looks like he's about to fall. Teetering along the edge, right? Check this out. Oh, look, there's a mask right there. See that? That's wildly easy today. Absolutely wildly easy. Anybody can do that with, with the program, right? Now think about what high level states can do. Okay? This is what we have to understand. We're in the world of deep fakes and they're barely even mentioning that's a that's a thing. I don't think they want us to realize. I think I think more of what we stare at on the internet these days is fake than we realize. Now just to make this kind of a funny point before we continue. The point is, guys, we need to we need to make sure people understand this, that what's going on today in every possible facet can be fake just like this. We just have to, we, okay, 
Question. That's why we say question everything. It's not a choice. It's the reality of where we are, right? We have to do this. So my point is we need to get people to realize they're being deceived. But what they do with all of this stuff is aim these things at the lowest common denominator, right? They want the person out there to get shocked and, and oh my God, the gold tea, they're stealing teeth and murdering people because it says in the headline. The problem though, is that there's a lot of people that they are aiming this at that I don't even think we're capable of reaching, right? So this kind of person is what they want you to believe or this is the kind of person that they're aiming this stuff at. They blindly believe it. But my point is, I don't believe that this is most people, not even the majority. But they're trying to turn everybody into this. But this is the, this is a person from California that is out there voting, that is out there making choices, that is tweeting and retweeting and everything else. This is funny, but at the same time, kind of freakish and scary. This is a real person. What the heck is going on right here? This person's sparking all doors open right here. I cannot believe this guy's car is even going down the 405 freeway, but he's making it happen here on one wheel, apparently. Rather dangerous situation happening here on the 405. Now, I'm not sure, by the way. He doesn't mention anything about it. I think that's a gas can in the back of the car, which is kind of dangerous in its own right anyway, but... I, I'm not sure, so I'm not going to dive into it. But if you're into sparking alone, you could get a grease spot. I mean, that's wildly dangerous. Just watch how much crazier this gets. I've tailgate open. There's no tailgate party going on in sight, but this guy is just letting it all hang loose right now. Wow. Front wheel is definitely out. Let's see what this person's smoking. Miss, get out of the car. Yeah. Are you on drugs right now? Now this, by the way, this guy's a little abrasive. Like, I know it's crazy, but like, get out of the car in this climate of the world today. Like, you know, you know, not the real climate, the the way the political political climate is. Like, you know, she could scream rape, and not you know, who knows? I just thought it was a little abrasive. But watch what, watch this. Not at all. My car gave out. I mean, I had somebody help me before. And apparently the brake did not You know you're driving on three wheels right now? Your wheel's completely out. You just crashed into this gentleman right here. You almost You're a hazard. You're on the freeway. 80 miles on the freeway. On the three wheels. I'm going to trade it. You need to get out of the car. I will. Just leave the car. Just get out of the car, miss. Just leave the car. You're on What? She's licking her lips. She's definitely on something. And that gets proven in a second. But watch her lick her lips. Just get out of the car, miss. You're on drugs right now. You're on painkillers. Yes, you are. Oh, my God. You are on some drugs right now. Put your car. Now, yeah, that doesn't have to be proof that we don't know. You know what I mean? At the end of the day. But. It looks more like ecstasy tabs to me. But at the end of the day, this woman's clearly out of her mind. She's clearly on something, you know, every single single sign out there. But regardless of any of that, that's a real person, right? That is a person that they're aiming this at. That's a person they want to stand up and scream opinions. They want to blindly trust the media. I do not think that's the majority of people. But this is what we're up against in regard to what they push in front of us. So understand that. There's a lot of people like that. Even it's 1%. That's a lot of people that are drugged to the, to the teeth. I mean, they're the people like this don't maybe not even realize that they are being overprescribed medications. They don't even realize that they're out of their mind.
I mean, God, that's just a little bit crazy to me. But going forward, talk about crazy. Again, we're talking about Ukraine and how willfully they're, you know, manipulating information, hiding things from us, lying about what's going on. The media just happily parrots it. So we had 30 seconds ago, Ukraine, their capital preparing for evacuation, possible nuclear strike because Putin's a madman. Right. Okay. So that's that's just because they claim he's good. He didn't say it, but wink, wink means he's going to use a nuclear strike, right? Just that is enough for them to lose their minds. But right over here, 10 seconds later, we have the U.S. government, a general, and Zelensky himself openly arguing we should take nuclear strikes, or at the very least, preemptive strikes on a nuclear nation. I mean, that is inconsistent. It's hypocrisy. It's childishly ridiculous. Here's Bernie's tweet sharing, former Pentagon and retired general says the U.S. should consider a nuclear strike on Russia. Now, again, if this was happening in Russia, and it was a former Russian personnel that said the same thing, just like the Chechnyan guy that just voiced it up. This would end up being framed as Russian governments threatening nuclear strikes because that's how dumb this has gotten. Even though it's like the equivalent, like the Chechnyan leader has no influence in the sense of him saying that online about whether Putin's even talking, thinking about or means to do that. It's just ridiculous. Of course, it's possible but it seems far more likely from a belligerent bellicose kind of grouping like this. At the same time, while they're threatening nuclear strikes or proposing them from you know anybody, this, they, I'm just talking about the apparatus or the media, the people involved, but the U.S. government's also insinuating this every chance they get. The U.S. is buying $290 million of anti-radiation drugs. What a coincidence. Listen to this. It's weird. They changed all these settings on here. On the stream yard. That's right. Here we go. Has learned that the U.S. is developing contingency plans for possible Russian escalation in its war in Ukraine, including the potential use of tactical nuclear weapons. Also, the possibility of what one source described as a nuclear display that would be something short of a nuclear strike, including the possibility of a military strike on the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. I mean, I, seriously, like they were just arguing that the idea that Putin was even bombing near that or conducting military operations near that plan was threatening the world with nuclear holocaust. And now they're floating the idea of a limited strike around the plant. I mean, guys, it's just silly. It is absolutely ridiculous. How do these people not stand there and go, wait a minute, I was literally just saying that could kill us all. And now I'm floating this positive idea about doing that because freedom. It is, and this is, and even if it's just blustering, it's dangerous. It takes one wrong move or one wrong person to actually cause nuclear attacks. This is scary. It's not, it's not a joke for them to play like this. And I don't think they're, I don't, I, I'm starting to wonder whether there is going to be some kind of a false flag in this regard. It scares me because people like Zelensky and these open Nazi elements don't care. They care less than the U.S. government cares. And that is basically nothing, if not negative. This is scary stuff. And the point is talking about limited strikes. There's no such thing. Or uh, the, what the, hold on, what do you say? I forget the term all of a sudden. Escalation in its war in Ukraine, including the potential use of tactical nuclear weapons. Oh, I think it's tactical. There's another term they use. But the point is, as I've made clear, if tactical or smaller nukes or whatever, you know, limited, whatever they want to call them, get used, the problem is that the other side, Russia in this case, doesn't know that. They don't know how it's a large nuke versus a small one. They don't know. 
So they have to respond, as Putin has said, as if it's a nuclear attack. So there's no benefit at all. This is just narrative. They act as if they can use these things because they're smaller, but it would be the same fallout, the same problem. You'd see nukes shooting off from other countries that have gotten alerts that it's happened, and this is nuclear holocaust. Now, I don't believe this is what's going to happen unless we see groups like the people in Ukraine make this happen to drive action in support of them. Also, the possibility of what one source described as a nuclear display, that would be something short of a nuclear strike, including the possibility of a military strike on the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. Joining me now to discuss, retired Brigadier General Mark Kimmett, former Assistant Secretary of State for Political Military Affairs, also former Deputy Director for Plans and Strategy at USNCOP. General, good to have you on this morning. I think you meant affairs right there. Hi, Jim. How are you? So this shows how seriously the U.S. is taking these Russian nuclear threats. They've been developing contingency plans. Right. There are no Russian nuclear threats. This is an absolute fabrication. Russia has been put like this is them poking him in the chest. And he's going, look, if you do something, I will be forced to respond. I already read you the comments the other day and how aggressively they took him out of context. Talking about that, that and in, in a defensive action. The only group in this situation right now that acts like they have the right to to preemptively launch a nuclear strike is the U.S. government and then Ukraine by default, not Russia. They've been clear that are talking about they would be forced to act if driven to action. And then they, they that that's like nothing's off the table kind of conversation. The U.S. government, Trump, Biden regularly say nothing's off the table. So by that same argument, then they're threatening nuclear attacks. Well, they kind of are in a way, but you can't argue that this is overt threat. We're going to nuclear bomb countries. That's not what is happening, except that's what they're doing. Isn't that telling? So they make up a story about how they twist his words to make it sound like he threatened it. And then they stand up and start literally talking about nuclear attacks. The only one group doing that right now. This is it is psychotic and it's constant. Plans for some time. I wonder, can you describe what such contingency plans might involve? Well, I think, first of all, there's the, the public uh, face of all of this, which is how we communicate to Russia uh, what we're prepared to do, what we're not prepared to do. Mm. Uh, my personal view is I think we ought to be deliberately vague on what we are prepared to do. I mean, are we going to pretend like each one of these countries don't already know explicitly what they are already statedly stated to do? I mean, really, like this is all just going through the motions. Russia's very well aware of what they've said a thousand times. No objects off the table. We reserve the right to strike for it's, it's stated. They've re- put documents out. Everybody knows this is about making sure you are aware there's a nuclear threat. It's about so you know that you feel that you're on the precipice. That's what this is. Uh, anytime you draw a red line uh, that that uh, commits you to a certain course of action. Look, I think it's fairly simple to uh, lay down the options. It could be uh, the soft side of it, which is doubling down on sanctions, doubling mm-hmm. down on export controls, uh, ranging all the way to a, a nuclear response of our own and everything in between. This is just alarming stuff, guys. It really is. Now, here's the point that's coming directly from the HHS, buying 290 million, just so you can see it yourself, of anti-radiation drugs based on their own threats. So they're hyping a threat that's not really there and making it seem like it's real. Now that could mean because they plan on creating something that will blame them, which would be absolutely BS crazy. It would be off the damn rails. 
to let that because that nobody will benefit from that unless there's some maybe this is the catastrophic catalyst moment that will drive us into what they want to create. That scares the hell out of me because it would not surprise me, but it'd be pretty maniacal. It would be out. It would be lunacy. A lot of people will die. I, look, I'm not trying to fear monger. I don't actually think that's what's going to happen. I don't believe that that makes sense in any context, but I don't put anything off the table for people that literally say nothing's off the table, right? That's, you got to listen to them. But it says HHS purchases drugs for use of radiological and nuclear emergencies. But to make this all the more concerning, here's this maniac. And by the way, this does appear to be real, but I got to be honest, that, that there's that deep fake video that was put out it was pretty clear, you know, it had just all the, the edges that kind of made, made it clear that it was a deep fake, but it looked pretty real. This video has the same feel to me. Just you tell me what you think. But as far as I can tell, this is being reported as genuine. It's just strange. Like, I'm wondering how much of this is deep fakes. Maybe he's not even there anymore. Maybe these people are, you know, maybe they've already been removed. And it's all, you know, these, I'm, I'm not saying I believe that. I'm just saying that's possible. And we're in the world where that is the case, especially when we know that everything could be fake. But here is Zelensky. Kim.com reports asking NATO for a preemptive strike on Russia. Now, you could argue he means nuclear strike or just simply a preemptive strike on a nuclear powered government. It is insane. I mean, this is literally crazy. And now the whole NATO line has been long since crossed. Now you got Biden standing up and threatening anybody, including Ukraine, in the conversation about NATO attacks. I mean, didn't I mean, weren't we talking about the beginning, how red lines are being crossed and the whole NATO conversation was never going to happen. And that was conspiracy theory. I mean, look at where we are now. 30 seconds later, as always, conspiracy fact. This is where we are. Listen to what he has to say. Oh, actually, I forgot. This is translation. So I'm going to play it here. What should NATO do? Eliminate the possibility of Russia using nuclear weapons, a possibility that's not even on the table right now. You have to act first for them to do that based on what they're saying. Right now, you could argue, of course, it could be what they want to do, but why would that just suddenly be the argument? What do you have to make that the case? They're pointing at the statements he made, which don't actually say that, which clearly say it's in response. Okay, so you can't just skip over that and be like, but we know he would. Okay, so maybe, sure, maybe so. But so where is this conversation coming from? You're just fabricating the idea because you want this to be the narrative. That's We need to start seeing the puppet strings on how these narratives go forward, usually using some level of truth, but they are being puppeteered. So eliminate the possibility of them using nuclear weapons, he says. What is I once again appeal to the international community, as I did on February 24th. I'm just going to do this. We need preemptive strikes so that they'll know what will happen to them if they use nukes and not the other way around. Right. There's no logic in that. Right. Like Russia's going to be like, OK, we got the message. Well, you killed a bunch of our people, but we understand we'll stand down. I mean, does anybody believe that? This is as stupid as saying sanctions drive action. It's very obvious, repeatedly, over and over and over and over throughout history, that they do the exact opposite. It's economic warfare. That's that's the truth. They know that. They just hope you don't know that. They're attacking the people of these countries to destabilize and cause chaos. That's what they're doing. And in hopes that those peoples revolt against the government. That's what this is. That's why Giuliani's on the record saying people can't eat. And that's how revolutions start. That's what we're doing. We're doing that. We're collapsing their economy. They're selling their organs. That's a good revolution. Like what a maniac. 
speaking to the MEK, by the way, which is a, a, a rational terrorist organization that's crazier than any group they're pointing out over there. But he's arguing we should bomb Russia. Then that's somehow the end of it. Down that way, they'll know that will turn into real war in the context of like world war. That's what that will turn into. He knows that. Daddy, he says, but wait for Russia's nuclear strikes. And then and then say, oh, since you did this, take that from us. Well, the idea is so they're they're just skipping right over the idea that we need to even this is Israeli government, U.S. government, U.K. government policy. If they feel based on literally anything that they might attack, that they have the right to what they call preemptive self-defense which is just straight up dumb. That is that is Orwellian nonsensical talking point. That is, we can kill you and pretend we thought you were going to fight us or pretend that we that you were at all based on literally nothing. That is actual doctrine. It's called the Bethlehem Doctrine. That's what he's doing here. So we shouldn't wait for them to attack. That's under the assumption that it is going to happen. And there's no evidence to that effect. Reconsider the way you apply pressure. That is what NATO should do. Reconsider the order in which you apply pressure on Russia. I mean, this is just crazy, guys. He really is out. These, these people are trying to drive in some crazy action. Yeah, I mean, this is at a point now where they are literally arguing that we should strike out and attack people. And guess who also sees that? Other people that want to be like the United States government, right? Other maniacs out there that realize that, well, might is right, right? You know, so we're powerful. We just get to scream freedom and do what we want. Isn't that what you do? Well, here is the absurdity I showed you a second ago. Ukraine capital preparing for evacuation centers for possible nuclear strike. That was on the 4th. On the 4th, that was two days ago. So they're screaming about how they're going to use nuclear strikes and that's dangerous and they're going to kill the world. How crazy Russia is. I mean, that's what this is. The whole thing. Based on nothing. Based on the argument that he's already went through it. The statements that weren't that he was going to do that, that they contort and bend to argue that's what he means. Not true. But so two days later, they're threatening nuclear strikes. I, have, I mean, that you just can't get more ridiculous than this. Now, here is to show you that this has already been happening. Back in April, Zelensky warns Russia may use nukes after CIA says Putin desperate to win. It's the same story they're pushing right now. But you see, he's so desperate to win that he's willing to do... We, they just talked about this. It's, it's just clumsy. They're just doing the same thing. This is like saying there's going to be a false flag in the beginning. It didn't happen. And then they just kind of, re, kind of push it back up when they want you to think something's going to happen. These are just talking points that they're trying to drive to reality, not the reality that's actually there. They want you to think this is going to happen. Maybe they want to drive them to do it. I don't know. But the bottom line is there's no evidence to this effect. April, he said it. They're saying it again now. Zelensky, and this is, the, this is on uh, August. This was the idea of the power plant, right? We just heard him say they're considering a limited nuclear tactical strike, or rather just strikes in general, excuse me, around this, this Zaporozhye power plant. Okay. Well, here's Zelensky back in August when when this is what when, when Russia was involved in the context of either bombing or, or occupying it. Zelensky warns catastrophe that would threaten all of Europe. 
But now that it works for us, we'll just can pretend like that doesn't matter. Or either he's lying or it is true and they don't care. There's no right way to look at this. These people are crazy. They either don't care about nuclear fallout when it benefits them or they're lying. There's a risk. Only two ways to look at that. Now here, again, is the defense of Ukraine bragging about their bombing around the Zaporozhye power plant. I mean, this is how stupid it gets. We're all going to die, and then we bomb the area, and then act like it's a threat because they're making us bomb the dangerous area. Ukraine military worked brilliantly against the positions at the Zaporozhye power plant using, guess what, guys? Kamikaze drones. Wait a minute. Didn't they just claim that that's what, what Russia was using? Oops. Over and over, this keeps happening. Three raids were killed. Twelve were injured. This is They're bombing the nuclear power plant. I mean, it's, it just gets ridiculous. But here's an interesting overlap before we do a couple points on climate change and then finish with the COVID-19 discussion. Here's Huffington Post from 2011. And what this shows you is two things. How ridiculous they can be. And as well as the fact that their narrative has completely 180 since the last time they had this, since this was written. But it doesn't matter because we'll just call it global climate change. It's no longer global warming. It was climate change and then it all works still. It can be whatever we want it to be, right? Nuclear war is a bad thing, right? The title is, could a small, a small nuclear war reverse global warming? This has been circulating today as if it's related to today. I, you know, social media sucks. I, everyone's out there trying to get clicks and shares and they'll clip things out and share pictures without understanding where they come from. But the point is, this is old from 2011. Still relevant, though. Here's what it says. The result, according to NASA climate models, could actually be global cooling. But wait a minute. Isn't that the opposite of what they want right now? So so how does that work? So in 2011, all we had to do was cool the planet. We're all going to survive. And we should imagine, just imagine if they would have been as as vocal and as aggressive as they, they kind of were back then as they are right now. And they pushed the countries in the world to take action, to fight off the global cooling. Well, wait a minute. What would it be happening now? We'd all be burning up to death, right? Because we're now we're in global heating. You see how that works? It, if you trust them then, we would be dead right now. So why would we trust them now? Especially since you understand that the logic around carbon in itself is a manipulation. But here's the interesting point about this. Even then, they were wrong. No, it wouldn't help anybody. Because here's a study. This is from 2020, by the way, how a small nuclear war would transform the entire planet. Right? So this pandering article is just going, yeah, maybe nuclear war could fight the thing we're pretending is the biggest problem ever. They were willing to allow nuclear war just so we can turn the thing. I mean, it's madness. And the reality is they were wrong then because they've already shifted the narrative. Now we're on global climate change. But the idea is that right now that it's getting too hot. So how does that work out for you? But here it is, how a small nuclear war would transform the entire planet. This is from nature.com. Smoke from the incinerated cities rises high into the atmosphere, wrapping the planet in a blanket of soot that blocks out sun's rays. The planet plunges into a deep chill for years. Crops wither from California to China. Famine sets in around the globe. All right, okay, so this is a small nuclear war. And they're going, yeah, but it will, it'll stop cooling a little bit, right? <laughs> These people are insane. The pl- It says... Uh, the planet plunges into a deep chill. It says the grim vision of a possible fe- future comes from the latest studies about how a nuclear war would alter the climate. But much smaller nuclear conflicts, would, are, which are much more likely to occur, could also have devastating effects around the world. Crops failing in dozens of countries, devastating food supplies for far more than one million people, one billion people. 
dramatically alter the chemistry of the oceans, probably decimate the coral reefs and other marine ecosystems. Consequences of nuclear wars that would be smaller, and that's that's including the ones up there too, using, I'm just getting, using these to keep it going, using the advanced NASA climate model, oh, so the one that they're pointing at then, or now, it's funny how they contradict themselves all over the place, the scientists calculated how soot rising from the incinerated cities would circle the planet, for even from a small, small one, all around the dark. Cold globe, agriculture crops would dwindle. Now, I'm not saying you should believe this is the truth. This is what they're theorizing. But what I'm trying to show you is the contrast between what they're saying in 2020 about the same exact thing back in 2011 and arguing, well, it could reverse global warming. Well, here, that's because, that's because this would cause what they're arguing is dramatic global freezing, right? And absolute crops dying around the world, oceans changing. That's the same point they're making then, but this was good because, you know, that's the focal point. That's how alarmingly tunnel vision focused they are now in the same way, but now it's changed, right? So let's understand, as we just showed you the other day, this is, the kind, this is why this is so broken. The World Economic Forum was talking about this just the other day, and they admitted in an open forum that, one, they partnered with Google, which is alarming, to control search results, which is even more alarming, which we all know, but also said that we own the science. I don't know how you misinterpret that. Own the science. Here's the clip. I just showed you just, just the other day on, uh, I forget what show it was. You know, we partnered with Google, for example. If you Google climate change, you will, at the top of your search, you will get all kinds of UN resources. We started this partnership when we were shocked to see that when we Googled climate change, we were getting incredibly distorted uh, information right at the top. So we, we're becoming much more proactive. Um, you know, we own the science and we think that the world, you know, should know it. And, and the platforms themselves also do. Um, but again, it's, it's, it is, um, it's, it's a huge, huge challenge that I think all sectors of society need to be very active in. Great, great. So the World Economic Forum owns the science on climate change. That should make you feel great you know, in partnership with Google, because they have proven themselves to only care about your best interests, right? Here's Michael Schellenberger saying, for over a decade, journalists have claimed that hurricanes are becoming more frequent. I mean, we just literally saw uh, Don Lemon very embarrassingly try to force that argument. Well, I'm from there. I know. To a scientist who's like, no, that's not the case. (laughs) Just pandering. I mean, these people are sad. But they're claiming it more frequent and intense. But the data shows, guess what? Not true. By manipulating and misrepresenting the data, as they always do, reporters are being deliberately misleading. In other words, they're lying. Read the article for yourself. There's a lot of data in there that makes it unequivocal. I'm just going to show you one obvious one, which is an image that somebody shared with me showing intense hurricanes from 1851 just to 2004. And guess what? Just so we're clear. Hurricane Ian was a category four, category four, right? Okay. So there has been three category fives up till 1992. Okay. So right there, you can't argue e Hurricane Ian is some unprecedented thing. It's just another weather storm that's, that seems problematic. Now I do argue that things are interestingly different. And I argue that there's an obvious reason to that because we are hurting this planet, but I don't think climate change is the reason. The reason I think what they're doing is manipulation. And I think that they are things that they're adding like industrial pollution which are hurting the way this planet reacts, but that's not a climate change argument. 
It's not reducing carbon and nitrogen in the way they're trying to frame all of this. But we can't forget that we are destroying this planet and it's largely corporations and governments like them. That's why they're not focusing on them and telling you that you have to change and organic farmers have to go away and you have to not use gas in your car while the UK argues gas and oil is green so they can use it. I mean, it's just embarrassingly obvious today. But beneath that, you've got a million category, a lot of category fours that go up to the 1900s and, and forward. 1989 is one of them, Hugo. But the point is that these are not unprecedented. So Biden's argument right here that the one thing that's finally ended is the discussion about whether or not climate cli there is climate change. Well, nobody anywhere argues the climate doesn't change. That's a stupid thing to say. But what he means is that the climate change narrative is true and that Hurricane Ian has proven that. Okay, why? It wasn't larger than any other ones in the past. Many of the fours, especially the fives. So what's the argument? That because there's a hurricane, therefore climate change? Well, that's certainly what you want. they want you to think. Colorado River looks more like a stream. There's a lot going on. And I think the one thing this has finally ended is a discussion about whether or not there's climate change. We should do something about it. But folks, I also want to, uh, Jill and I have had you all in our prayers. And I mean, Colorado River looks. <laughs> Jill and I. That's funny. I'm sure he wasn't happy about that. Or unless they're all on the same side, which, you know, I tend to think. But, you know, whatever. Well, what's funny is politically and in the two-party paradigm, he's supposed to be like, well, I'm not on that side. And Biden's right there saying that. And he's just happening for us to stand behind him. It's, it's telling, telling. It really is. But either way, that's not true. Not true at all. And, I mean, Don Lemon's pushing it. They're all pushing it. Climate change because hurricanes are getting worse. Well, this one's not. So you're wrong. But here is what they're pushing, though. Wall Street Journal. The climate change literally called the climate change censorship campaign. The left is demanding that social media shut down debate even on solutions. I mean, this has gotten clownish. We are in a sitcom. They're literally going, you can't even have conversations about what else we might be able to do anymore. It's over. We're doing this. Shut up. That's, that's what they're doing. I mean, this is alarming because of what they're doing is going to kill everybody based on the experts that are willing to tell you that what they're doing is crazy. I think, let me see. No, I, I mean, what was that? I had that video. Yeah, right there, look at that. I don't know why I put, didn't put carbon in this title video. These are the experts I was just talking about. Giving the EPA the right to control CO2 by declaring it a pollutant. Yes. Think about that for a moment. Here is a pollutant. Let's say some genius comes up with a method. He's going to get rid of a little bit more than 60% of the CO2. And what will be the wonderful consequence of that? The death of all animals. <laughs> the plants have died. There's no food. Yeah. What kind of pollutant is it? You get rid of it and you die. <laughs> That's a great point. <laughs> My God. I mean, what I don't understand is why they're so cavalierly laughing about that. I mean, it's like, so literally you're saying these maniacs are trying to murder us all and maybe they don't even know that. <laughs> and we're like, like ah, that's crazy. That should be like immediate action kind of level. But so here they're talking about censoring anybody who even wants to talk about what else we might do. This is on the fifth. On Tuesday, more than a dozen environmental outfits, including Greenpeace and the Union of the Concerned Scientists, so a bunch of, con you know, I would argue influenced and controlled politicized outlets, wrote to the big tech companies to blame them for, quote, amplifying and perpetuating climate disinformation. You know what's funny about that? 
what they're essentially saying there is if you allow that to be talked about, then therefore you're amplifying those views. So they're either insinuating that what they are doing is amplifying some things, manipulating results, which we know that they are, and they're just mad that they're amplifying the wrong things, or what they're saying is you're allowing these conversations by by uh, put by allowing them to get shares and they're being shared the most. I wonder why. Then you're amplifying them. Well, you're not. You, they're either you're either admitting that they're altering the reach, or that you don't you disagree with the fact that organic flow of of information should be allowed if it's something you don't agree with. And I think it's both of them really. But amplifying climate disinformation. What the letter asks for sounds modest, but the implication is clear. The Digital Services Act, we're just talking about this in Bangladesh, recently enacted by the European Union, includes transparency rules, and the green groups want Silicon Valley to commit to including climate disinformation as a separately acknowledged category in its reporting and content moderation policies in and outside of the EU. So these people are literally going, you have to do that everywhere around the world because we demand it. Then they could proceed to complain that the tech company giants aren't doing enough censoring. Exactly. The letter was directed, Washington, the Wall Street Journal does take a kind of an anti-censorship angle on this. The letter was directed at Twitter, Facebook, Google, YouTube, TikTok, and Pinterest. Pinterest, that makes sense. The, the le- at least the public can read it, that Wall Street Journal argues. How much of this lobbying goes on behind the scenes? Good point. Most of it. We, are, we partnered with Google as we just played for you, Melissa Fleming, the communications undersecretary for the United Nations, told a panel last month. So clearly we should include that. As well. That's the point. She works for the United Nations, but the World Economic Forum is the argument and they're, what they're driving, but that's the overlap, right? So now the, whether United Nations or World Economic Forum are partnering with a social media company that's a U.S.-centered company, that should scare everybody. That's complete control. If you Google climate change, she said, at the top of your search, you'll get all kinds of UN resources. That's not organic. Those aren't the most sought after. They're forcing that. We started this partnership partnership when they were shocked to see that when we Google climate change, here's their example, we were getting incredibly distorted information they didn't want. So is Google supposed to be about what they think or what most people want when they search for something? Right. They've already admitted they've changed their model because they argued that when you search for one thing, that you should get the one thing you're looking for, which in and of itself argues they want to remove choices. But the argument was to lead to the right one. But no, they're telling you what you should be looking for, not what you're looking for. Just like everything else, it's paternalism. They've decided they're right and you're wrong. It was also initially dismissed as tinfoil hat lunacy to wonder if the, the COVID injection or excuse me, COVID virus, if that's really there, may, might have leaked from a laboratory, right? Shortly after, experts with scientific standing acknowledged that it was a possibility. We all know that one. They all like to focus on that one, but there's a hundred other examples. What about blood clots? What about myocarditis? What about every other part of this has been proven not to be what they said in the beginning? It's a bad sign when one side of a political debate demands to cut off the microphones of the people on the other side. And the tech censors these days are almost uniformly progressives. That's interesting. And you're right. So clearly, whether it's a two-party paradigm argument or just a right versus wrong argument or differing opinion. They are controlling it from an aggressively, tightly controlled political stand, political standing. They've already made their minds up and nobody else matters. And yet they love to scream things like free speech and First Amendment, or, you know, everything else. It doesn't matter. They're lying to you. 
or they pretend that it's an okay caveat because they decide it's an okay caveat because, well, it's climate change and we're all going to die. So, well, no, you're, it's, you're being a hypocrite. On climate change, the disinformation tag gets liberally applied even to people who agree that it's real, caused by fossil fuels, and a problem, but who also think humanity can adapt. Apocalyptic predictions are overwrought or subsidies for green energy are a poor investment. So this is just like the vaccine. Uh, what's a good example? Uh, was it Ouroboros or the vaccine, you know, where they're eating themselves alive, right? Where they suddenly start consuming their own people because they challenge their own narrative. Well, the point is there are people that agree with them that yes, we are, this is serious, but maybe we don't need the great reset or the transhumanist future. Maybe we can just keep, you know, fix problems. No, anti-science. Like, and they attack those people. They call them disinformation. So again, it's literally anybody that doesn't agree that what their solution is the right thing to do, not even agreeing on the problem. You see the point? So that in and of itself shows you where this is going. It's about the end game. It's about the agenda. And they're using this as a way to get there. And, I, and that's what I'm, I'm certain people at the top don't even, they don't believe this. This is, this is just a means to an end to manipulate the peons into agreeing with their control structure. In other words, censorship must increase they claim, the more the public resists the climate lobby's preferred solutions. They write, if Gina McCarthy's ideas lose a debate, well, the cause must be disinformation. That's how these people think, right? It's not that they couldn't be wrong or that maybe even if they're right, that that everybody disagrees, which therefore means you aren't, you know, democracy, however you want to frame this, that you don't get to just do it anyway. Doesn't matter though. They're arguing if they're wrong or if nobody's watching mainstream media, it's because they're all brought blinded by disinformation, right? No one's taking the dangerous injection. It's because they're blinded by disinformation. No, it's because we see the lies and we've proven that, but they are, they're telling themselves this. It's because it's disinformation. My show gets no views because I'm being lied about, right? Or whatever it is with, with statements like, and I'm talking about like the Brian Stelters of the world or these people that have terrible ratings and act like it's because they're misinformation or because people are lying about them and so on. With statements like that from the White House bigs, it is any wonder that skeptics of big tech's power are gaining ground? Now, of course, that's a little side insinuation that it's, we're wrong and that's, that's why we're getting ground, even though we're wrong, but that's not true, right? The reality is, at the very least, that it's undefined, that there's an entire grouping of wildly, highly regarded scientists that are arguing that they're wrong in their beliefs. I agree with that. But being objective, I can argue at the very least, it's still an open debate. Shouldn't we hash this out? But this is the point. They don't want that debate. They don't want the arguments. They want them to shut up and they want to force their opinion on you. That's where we are today. No no conversation about solutions, just forcing in the future. Now here is the World Economic Forum. Again, talking about censoring everybody for everything because you're too dumb to know how to live, apparently. Why we need a global framework to regulate harm online. Platforms have to erect guardrails. So for everything. Guardrails in general are for either irresponsible, dangerous, or stupid people. I made this reflection when I was going when I was traveling in Europe. I was in Greece, I believe. I was 18. And I'm walking along the road and I'm looking, I'm like, man, there's, you know, we're on this pathway. And there's, I mean, it's I mean, just the whole there's no guardrail coming from the United States, especially California. I'm like, that's crazy. Look, you can just fall right off. And, you know, there's a path that million people are taking single file all the way down to this hot spring area. And I'm just kind of going, that's crazy. There's just, there's just no guardrails. And I noticed that's everywhere. And I'm thinking, well, what's going on? Aren't they, are they going to sue the government? Are they going to sue somebody? And I realized 
the reason they don't do that is because they their mindset you fall you're dumb or you slipped and it's not my fault you slipped it's not like it's not the government's fault that you fell off the edge like and that they you see my point like i'm not disagreeing that it's that rails have some purpose but the perception that we have that they have the responsibility to put up those rails so we don't accidentally say the wrong thing that's the crazy part how about we just let people do what they think say what they think and if they break the law then we hold them accountable you can't keep arguing that by saying certain things it leads to those things therefore those words need to go away because eventually you won't be able to say anything we already see that happening oh yeah and here's here's what she says important to point out that we're not policing the internet for harmful material, that we actually rely on citizens to collect evidence to report to the platform first. No, I don't believe that, even for a second. Actually, in fact, we've proven that's not true, especially since they have actively done that and, and talked about that. But regardless, the point is still that she's saying that you are tattling on yourselves, right? You're informants for them, for other people. And they know that's happening because people have gotten really selfish and really smug and really vindictive throughout all of this. And it's always kind of been there, but they've also promoted those people more throughout this whole process as the virtuous, altruistic ones. They've literally held up the people that are shunning their neighbors for not taking an injection as the good ones. And that's promoted that same action. So it's gotten much worse these days. And then report to us if serious, uh, seriously harmful content isn't taken down. So we were really set up as a safety net when when some of this falls through the cracks, we're not seeking to become the content moderators ourselves. You know, we believe that the platforms build the digital roads. They also need to erect the digital guardrails and the safety guardrails and be, you know, applying the virtual seatbelts. Yeah, which means controlling what you can do. That's all that means. And now that we know for sure, these platforms are completely overlapped, at the very least influenced by the government. Well, that's state censorship. That's a violation of your constitutional rights, period. No matter how you spin that. But that's what's already happening, right? And as they as they dance us back and forth between these crazy stories, we, we lose track of what's happening. This is already being built right now. Meanwhile, to jump into the COVID conversation, guess what's not going away? Mask mandates, apparently. Multiple Massachusetts colleges extend mask mandates indefinitely. This was two days ago. I mean, if you really wonder how things like this are even possible, right? Or rather the climate change, the, the lies and the manipulations of the absolute wrong information. You look no further than the fact these people are still putting a soggy, damp piece of cloth over their face all day. If, if they're, you know, if it's winter and they're outside, that's happening because they think that's safe. Something that is not statistically significant in reducing, reducing transmission as peer-reviewed science has found and increasing risk of infection as peer-reviewed science has found. And over and over and over, all the information we've seen, the microplastics, the inhalation of the, even the doctors speaking out about the ones that have used it, saying hypercapnia, hypoxia. I mean, everything we've shown you from the beginning. And these colleges are not only, oh, and the best part, that the government is the one saying, well, you don't have to do it all the time, right? Okay, so they are the ones now saying, well, we don't care. We decide this is right. So at what point are they trusting the science? Well, that's why they claim they're doing this, right? So they, they started by saying, trust the science, the common sense. And by saying that, what they meant was they were trusting the government and the scientists that work for them. Okay, so the CDC said it's the science. Okay, so they trusted it. Now that same group 
in their minds, the science, are saying you don't have to anymore, at least not all the time. And they go, well, no, we don't care. Okay, so at what point are they trusting the science and, and instead trusting their own personal belief? You get my point. You know that's what's happening. I don't understand why they don't see that that's happening. They've now decided the CDC is wrong or politically influenced. So who exactly are you, quote, trusting now? The science is clear, shows you it doesn't work. The CDC is now saying you don't have to, and you're just going, no, you guys have been brainwashed. These people have been, are, this is a mask cult or whatever you want to call it. There's no other logical reason why this would keep going other than they feel this is the right thing and they're not trusting anybody else, but they're feeling in the narrative. It's crazy. Oh, I thought there was something. I, you know what? No, I had this highlighted. Hmm. I thought I highlighted something in here. Well, three Massachusetts colleges are extending their COVID mask mandate, and a fourth is putting it to a vote, even as mask requirements are going away. That's my point. There's nothing scientific about that. This is adherence to doctrine. Mount Hol- Holyoke College, Smith College, Hampshire College extended their mask mandates indefinitely, according to their own releases. I am sorry to say that because of the relatively high confirmed COVID case counts on campus, we will need to continue our indoor mask mandate until further notice. So we're talking about cases, right? Deaths are down, hospitalizations down. These are probably flu and cold and whatever else, PCR tests. So all they continue to see is a false test continuing to show or a false, a incorrectly used test showing false positives. And, and that's enough. Are they in danger? Do you care about the tuberculosis or no? No, it's only the the thing that's less dangerous. That's all we care about. Okay. This is madness. Well, on the note of masks, here's the kind of people we're dealing with. Now, I don't think, I think this is a minority for sure. Keith Moose here says, will I wear a mask for the rest of my life? I definitely will. Or at least until we have better protection against the brain damage causing, life expectancy shortening, heart destroying, T-cell damaging, disability increasing, highly contagious virus. Highly contagious. Right. So you think you meant the vaccine, but I'll let you go on that or the injection. Excuse me. But either way, he's literally arguing he definitely will wear a mask the rest of his life. So were you were you at like deathly strong, high risk before COVID started? You weren't wearing a mask all the time. He's arguing it's because of COVID, but... You see what I mean? Like we know and we've proven that it's the flu or less right now. So what is he so concerned about? Like this is about the hype around what it could do down the line. Long COVID. That's what all of these things are. And it's not proven. These guys don't even know that if they care. Long COVID has not been proven. It's a hypothetical assessment that it could be that. And they're vying with different opinions right up until right now. I've proven this to you in a recent show. But apparently it is like SIDS and SADS and apparently fibromyalgia and many other things. We don't know if it's even there, but we're happy to diagnose people with it. That screams dishonesty. I'd rather mask it than be put in a casket. Well, since it rhymes, it must be true, right? Well, for this person and all the rest out there that might ridiculously still hold that opinion, here is an expert. Not lightly said. There's not very many, as far as I can tell, PPP experts out there, at least in the conversation. You got a bunch of doctors that have no expertise in this field speaking as if they know because they wear one. Well, so does Jill in the corner. They shouldn't make an expert about the mask. This guy is a PPE expert. You've seen this before. You won't be surprised what he says if you've seen this, but those that haven't, I hope you'll listen up. This is important. Hold on, I'm going to bring up the actual video so I can... Make it better for audio. 217. 
Let's see, where are we? Son of a gun. Hold on. This is going to be like the one last time. I'm certain I have it. And the moment I download it, I'm going to see it. But either way. So you guys saw this last time I played this. He speaks like unequivocally on how serious this is, on how, how other people don't know because they're not the experts. And it's just verifiably true. Yeah, I'm, hold on. Let me double check. I just don't want to download this again. Senate. How am I missing that? That's crazy. I'm glad I've checked. Here it is. So we're going to 217. Oh, that's right, too. I forgot about this. So this guy, this guy over here to the right, after he's done, asked the dumbest question like he's not even paying attention. It's embarrassing. But let's check this out. This is an important clip. First of all, I wanted to thank Melissa and the committee for the opportunity to talk. I've, I've given you some handouts. I'm going to rapidly go through those, but I'll touch on the high points um, because I know there's limited time. Um, again, my name is Stephen Petty. I'm a certified industrial hygienist, certified safety professional, uh, professional engineer. I've been working 45 years in the field of health and safety. Spent my entire life trying to protect workers and the public from toxins, I've sampled for anthrax, biotoxins, the whole list. I've been in over 400 uh, cases named uh, with respect to exposure control and exposure and PPE. And um, most recently, I testified in the state of Kentucky, and as a result of my testimony, the mask mandate was overturned statewide. So let me introduce the topic of industrial hygiene. Industrial hygiene is not well understood by many. We have a lot of physicians talking about industrial hygiene. It's not their field. Industrial hygiene is a science and art devoted to anticipation, recognition, evaluation, and control of environmental factors and stressors that can cause you to be sick, make, make you uh, feel bad, or even kill you. And I've testified 400 times in those sorts of cases. The problem is that we have a lot of physicians talking about things like that, and they may be perfectly talented folks, but it's not their sandbox. When I'm in trials, we have a physician that talks about uh, the disease, and I talk about exposure and exposure control and PPE. The last, uh, the, the physician that talked earlier, I'm here to show you that every statement he made is false. Um, let me go then. There's really three ways you can look at why masks can and cannot work, and I'm on page three of my handouts, the top slide. Um, this is a plot of cases of COVID in New Hampshire with time. If you really believe that masks could work, you would expect the cases would drop with time. They do not. You can draw this plot for any state or any country in the world. What you see is where people are indoors more in the northern climates, the wintertime, disease rates go up. That's a well-understood industrial hygiene fact that, that's over 100 years old. And you see that in this plot. Um, now I want to move you on to... Um, the uh, epidemiology, and there are lots of studies, but at the bottom of page four, probably the one uh, that's uh, most relevant is the Bundegaard study out of Denmark. They looked at 6,000 or so folks, 3,000 with masks, 3,000 without masks, 
they found no difference in disease rate. Similar study was done on schools in Florida, same outcome, and that's on the bottom of page five. The, the reality is that uh, I testified in federal court in Michigan about the CDC studies and showed that almost all the studies they cited suffered from two flaws. One, they didn't have a control group, that is a group not wearing masks as similar to a group that was wearing masks to see what the differences were. If you don't have a control group, how do you know it makes a difference? The other thing is there were confounding factors where there were multiple things going on at the same time uh, with or without a control group like air conditioning cha uh, changes, uh, separation, quarantine, and masking. There's now, real quickly, I've made these points many, many, many times about the no control group, about conflating them with hand washing and so on. I mean, these are just willful deceptions, as anybody honest is pointing out. Like, well, that's a poorly designed study meant to slant it a certain way. But I'm going to let this play at least the last, you know, so many minutes left when he talks. I just want to point that out that I'm not going to I'm going to do my best anyway. And something strikes me to jump in and make these points. But for those that watch this show, I have been dying on this hill since like the first few moments they brought up masks in this conversation. And damn it, if we haven't been proven right over and over and over. No way to know whether masking has any effect at all. The real solution has always been for 50 years, engineering controls of ventilation dilution, or in destruction. And, and those solutions I've actually implemented in real schools beginning in 2020. And just since I know I'm going to make the point at the end, take a note of the guy that I made a, a point about, the guy on the right, not paying attention, reading something. <laughs> and, then, and then wait for his dumb question at the end. Oh, son of a gun. Damn it. Hold on. Damn it. I just hit the wrong button. There we go. One, they didn't have a control group. That is, school districts to implement them. This isn't about a mask or a respirator. See that in this plot. Engineering controls of ventilation, dilution, or in destruction. And, and those solutions I've actually implemented in real schools beginning in 2020. And I work with many, many school districts to implement them. This isn't about a mask or a respirator. Those are the least desirable options. It's always about getting rid of the problem. Now let's look at this issue from a micro perspective real quickly. Uh, and again, I'm on the bottom of page seven. If you can see visible dust, it's on the order of 50 microns. That unit may or may not mean anything. The, the, the virus is 500 times smaller than what you can see. If you look at a cross-section of a human hair, I've got a plot on the bottom of page seven, you see that dot. That dot is 10 times the size of a virus. It's a micron or so. So the, the COVID particle is a thousand times smaller than the cross-section of a human hair. And I ask everybody the simple question, you wear your mask, can you slip a human hair by the side of your mask? Of course you can, especially below the eyes. It's a super freeway for the virus to come and go. This source control argument is bogus. Source control means the person wearing the mask, somehow or other, those, those viruses can't escape the mask. That's just nonsense. If you've got this super freeway, it doesn't, the virus doesn't care where it's coming in or going out. A couple of things that need to be talked about real quickly. There's been great disinformation about um, COVID being a droplet. 
Now, particles can be classified in two bins, droplets and aerosols. The data I show on page 8 shows that over 99.9% .9 of the particles are aerosols, less than 5 microns. Not the same as airborne, by the way. And I made that point clear before. And the mask is what's perpetuating the idea of the aerosolization, and that's part of the Fogan effect that we've talked about. They're not droplets. That's not the problem. The other thing that you see on the bottom is droplets fall to the ground very quickly. So, so even though they're a very small fraction, they'll fall to the ground on the order of minutes. If you look on the top of page 9, though, and you look at aerosols, it takes up to 50 days for them to fall. So these things are suspended in the air for days and days. So there's no way you have a COVID meter on your chest or your head. The only way that you're going to know if somebody's in aisle four and is sick the day before, you have no way of knowing whether that stuff's still there or not. So what's the solution? The solution is dilute it with ventilation, filter it out, or destroy it. It always has been the solution. The National Safety Council gave us those solutions from an industrial hygiene standpoint in 1950, over 70 years ago. People talk about these masks. Why can masks not work? Bottom of page 9. The problem is you cannot seal a mask by definition. A, meal, a mask that seals is a respirator. I also want to talk a little bit. They say, well, um, I'm on, now on page 11. I want to whip through this. They say, well, they might do a little bit of good. Well, that is in our... In industrial hygiene, we don't look at solutions that do a little bit of good. It might, it might help 1% of the people. We have a requirement that if we're going to provide a solution that helps the public, it better have at least a 90% relative risk reduction. So how, how would you feel if I walked in and I said to asbestos workers, let's put you in a mask. It might save 1% of you from asbestosis, but the other 99% will get it. I think I would lose all my, all my licenses. And see, that argument gets floated under the idea that because COVID is just so dangerous that that's enough. And we, it will take whatever we can get, but that's also not true. And we've all begun to see that. And by the way, the asbestos fiber on average is 50 times larger than a COVID particle. And we have very high-end respirators, PAPRs, that are used to protect asbestos workers. And I'm certified and protecting asbestos workers. So why in the world would you take a 1% solution when you need 90% when we have solutions like ventilation, destruction, and filtration that do meet that 90% requirement from industrial hygiene? The other thing you hear about all the time is on page 12, you see the top. Well, let's move on to, to N95s. As I just said, we wouldn't even use an N95 for asbestos workers. But here's a study by Shaw et al., that shows even for an N95 where you glue it onto a board, and that's where most of these mask studies are done. They literally glue the mask onto a mannequin or a board. Now, do you glue your mask on your face? Of course not. So what happens when it's not? So if it's glued on, they say, well, it has 46% effectiveness. But what if you put a gap on it? 3% effectiveness. And that's the real world. So about masks, on to page 13. On January 2nd, 2022, Scott Gottlieb, FDA commissioner, and Face the Nation spilled the beans. He said basically masks don't work. 
I've I've been putting. And Lena Wen did the same. It was about cloth masks on CNN, where Gottlieb did it on Fox. Happened within a day of each other. I mean, how do you miss coordination like that? Not based on any new evidence, by the way. Same thing we've been saying from the beginning, and suddenly you're allowed to say it. Real engineering controls in real schools for two years. You can imagine as somebody who spent his whole life defending workers and toxic tort trials and the public, how infuriating it is to see people propose solutions that cannot and do not work. He admitted it. We also had CDC finally admit on January 14th of 2022, well, these masks aren't very effective, so let's move to N95s. I've said, no, 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 let's move to engineering controls. If you follow the CDC guidance, I said, what science changes its position 180 degrees in two years? Mass, no mass, mass, no mass. No science does that. And this is on March 30th, by the way, 2022. Everything's changed since then, right? No, it's gotten worse. The other thing I want to point out is on the bottom of page 15, and I wrote a 27-page letter to CDC in February complaining about this, as well as to Fauci in the White House, along with eight other industrial hygiene folks. They, they say, well, we want to put children in N95s, and then they link you to the manufacturer's websites, including 3M. What does 3M say about N95s and children? Not designated to be used by children. Right, but that doesn't matter, right? Because they don't care about the side effects or the what the company says. It's all just about narrative and what they want you to think. Don't forget what 3M's website also says is that these things in general of any of their mass are not able to stop anything under 0.3 microns, right? Which includes COVID-19, if it's even there. So they don't care. It's been there from the beginning. I mean, you could look at the damn surgical mass at Walgreens that literally got added before they got to where we are today, that it will not stop COVID-19. And yet somehow that still didn't sell for people. I don't even understand that. And also they say, well, as soon as you go to mass, you got to start following respiratory protection standard, which has all sorts of requirements. You can't just hand somebody an N95 and not incur a lot of liability if you don't ensure that they're fit tested, that they're medically cleared to wear it, that they've been trained on how to wear it, and they've been trained on how to replace it. So on the bottom of page 16, we have industrial hygiene, as I've said before, what we call the hierarchy of controls. Everybody agrees with this. The, the most effective hierarchy is engineering controls. The least effective would be personal protective equipment, or PPE. And PPE for respiratory protection is respirators because you can seal respirators. Now, why are respirators on the bottom of the barrel for controlling hazards? Because they don't get worn right. You put somebody in, we know this from decades of doing this, you put a, you put a respirator on somebody for eight hours a day, they're going to break that seal. Guaranteed, it's not going to get worn right. Well, the interesting thing is masks don't even fit in the hierarchy. They're below it. They're not even part of it. Except when COVID-19 begins and then literally everything that was once common knowledge becomes the backward anti-science conspiracy theory. Right? That's how crazy this is. Not statistically significant, according to the CDC's own meta-analysis in 2020, and then becomes fake news 10 seconds later because Fauci says or because narrative or whatever. Again... Engineering controls is the solution. Now, what about damage to children? 
there's lots and lots of data on this. Um, beginning on page 18, Curriculum Associates is showing um, both for reading and for mathematics in one year um, loss of performance of upwards of 12 to 15 percent, depending on the grade level. And we just talked about that, the guy saying um, it's not true. And it's worse for minorities, as you see on page 19. Brown University put a study out for kids born during COVID wearing masks show a 23% reduction in learning. So what did CDC do on February 8th? They took the 18-year-old criteria for child development and they moved the goalpost. They didn't admit that this was causing enormous damage. They said, okay, the performance standards you have at 24 months, we're going to make 30 months. Sad. I mean, that's just dishonest. It's not sad. It's criminal. I mean, you, you, that, that, that's saying, oh, so the way that that's the same, that's the equivalent of changing the vaccine definition, right? Oh, it doesn't fit for you. Okay. We'll just change it then. How's that? Well, they're still in danger. So what? We changed the definition. It's like, it's, it's crazy. The, the, also the, uh, England department of education, I'm on the bottom of 20, um, noted that 94% of the teachers indicated that wearing face coverings has made communication more difficult, and 59% said much more difficult. Kuzlensky and their co-authors looked at 1,226 papers on masking, distilled it down to 109 qualitative and 49 quantitative, bottom of page 21, and they showed 27 adverse effects they could quantitate, including five specifically for children. Wow. So what's my answer and, and conclusion for all of you? Please put this in place. Masks have not ever been and cannot be a solution. Engineering controls of fresh air, filtration, destruction, have and always have, will be the best solutions. They know all this. And don't forget, he sent letters to everybody. So not only do they know all this already, but they know he knows that says you need to do this as the expert and they ignored it. It's, it's just the, the mounting evidence is far past being enough that these people are knowing what they're doing to you. They know they're hurting you. We don't have to worry, as the physician said earlier. At some level, and some of them. I don't want to make it sound all-encompassing. ...about some future pandemic, because the right solutions will always be engineering controls. They have been for 80 years. Thank you. And by the way, I realized that what that guy was reading a moment ago was the thing. So he was paying attention, apparently, and still asked these questions. Watch. <laughs> questions? Senator Avard. Thank you, Mr. Chair, and thank you for your testimony. I'm just curious, is this all this information available on Google? And have you been uh, contacted by the media, whether Channel 9 or Fox News, to disperse this information because it seems to be new <laughs> is it on google oh, oh so it's on google okay these are the people leading my god it's all on google right i mean who even says that what do you mean on google i mean what an idiot by the way it's all it all seems new have you ever even looked I mean, 90% of what he's sharing there, shoot, I just spilled something. 90% of what he's sharing right there is uh, old. I mean, from decades ago. Hold on, let me keep this playing. Um, 
um, the answer is it's not new. I have given six national podcast statements that are online. Um, our presentations of this material beginning in 2020, after I did the school in Ohio with 750 autistic children. The um, material, I spent almost a half a million of my own time and money building a studio and putting out 20 podcasts, summarizing all this. Each podcast, any study I cite will have the URL or the reference to the material. It is true more material is coming out with time, but the underlying uh, industrial hygiene, it's a field not well understood, but the underlying premises of industrial hygiene have been in place since 1950, which is engineering controls. So I'm going to leave it there. I mean, but my God. So yeah, it's, it's, it's on Google and it's been around forever. And yes, he's spoken to all of them. Yes, he sent them all information. I mean, he damn well, he said that, by the way, in the presentation. But the idea that that's the response, like it all seems new. I mean, it's just the problem is that people in, in power, if you even want to call it that for this guy's position, they act like being informed is reading what they're supposed to look at. Reading what the CDC says the evaluation is. That's not being informed. The point is that it's new to him because he's never cared to look past what he's been put, what's been put in front of him as the full picture. It's just, it's just my, it's crazy. Yeah. I just knocked something over by the way, for those in the chat, I just want to make sure I didn't get on my computer, <laughs> but going forward, here is one more clip I'm going to play. And then I'm going to try to go through the last part quick. because we're already at three hours. America's frontline doctors. What do masks really do to your body? Christina Parks, PhD, breaks down how the body struggles to balance and what effects that has on several organs, predominantly about the flow of oxygen. And I agree, it's a huge part of this. And that has been proven by other studies, both the Fogan effect and others, that that does have an effect on children specifically. And these people, of course, see these studies and just don't care. That's just criminal, guys. It's it's vindictive almost. But here's what she has to say. Um, but most of the time we're talking about chronic high CO2. You're wearing a mask all day. You're experiencing high carbon dioxide all day. That's called hypercapnia. So I'm going to repeat that word many times. What are the effects of chronic hypercapnia? Well, we actually have a model. COPD is a model of chronic, chronic hypercapnia because there is not sufficient gas exchange. So what do we see in people where we have model sleep, sleep apnea is also another model, All right? So we know what this looks like in people. We know that um, hypercapnia or increased CO2 impairs kidney functions. Your kidneys are actually trying to um, decrease the level of acidity in your blood. And so they're actually really doing a lot to retain, um, you know, basically to balance the pH. And so it really puts a lot of stress on the kidneys to balance the pH and balance your salt. And it reduces blood flow to the kidneys. And it actually, in many cases, can lead to chronic kidney inflammation, which we refer to nephritis. No one's even talking about this. Anybody measuring in our kids? No, I don't think so. All right. We have a sleep apnea model of hypercapnia. And that also causes a lack of oxygen. And what they see in these people is altered posture, postural stability, altered ability to sense their environment, known as proprioception altered gait and increased falls. All right. And this is what it looks like when your brain's not getting an oxygen. This isn't rocket science. Okay. In the context of our children, their brains are still developing. And yet we think it's okay to deprive them chronically of oxygen. 
We have mitochondria that produce our energy, and there's biochemical evidence that this is damaging the mitochondria because they're trying to work in an environment where it doesn't have what it needs. Again, the body is out of homeostasis, and it's put in a place where it's constantly trying to adjust, but it can't adjust because you won't take the mask off. Just another one of those anti-science scientists, you know. It's just it's it's a willful blindness to not understand what is so clearly happening. But to finish off with the vaccine focus in general, I thought it was you know my point about this being desperate is is we're at a time where this stuff is being proven, not just by peer reviewed science, but by real world observation, by 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 lab studies, by other experts and scientists and doctors that are speaking of their own experience. All that together is very hard to ignore. We should still question everything. Right, but the point is that that's the opposite of what we're seeing. I mean, you, you you wonder why. I mean, it has to it has to mean that there's not some insurmountable control over every single piece. Otherwise, they would be just faking everything and making it all. The bottom line is there's a lot of evidence that they just don't want you to look at. A lot of people speaking up and saying this is dangerous. These don't work. They're not. They're lying to you. They're covering this up over and over. And all we do is do this: have Fauci go on a talk show and just state the exact opposite of what is actually happening. Despite the CDC itself, by the way, now admitting ivermectin does have uses against COVID, even though it's way more than that. Fauci tells Colbert it does not help with COVID and it could be dangerous. By the way, just before we even play that, the ones that there's the two out of many, many, many that I've shown over the manipulative three years of this, of this agenda this is January 31st, 2022. Brand new Japanese study. Ivermectin shows antiviral effect, which you should have already known because other studies already showed that. They just don't want you to see that. But so, yes, it does have antiviral effect. That was one of the main things they were shouting down. But before all of that, this one was already out. Ivermectin, a multifaceted drug of Nobel Prize on distinction with indicated efficacy against COVID-19. And it goes on to point out a lot, what you guys have seen, that it was more than 20 random controlled trials. The gold standard have tracked inpatient, outpatient treatment. Six of the seven show notable reductions in COVID-19 fatalities. That's more than the injection does. With a mean, oh, and of course, I'm being facetious, while the injection while also killing people and causing all sorts of wild side effects. But it says a mean 31% of relative risk mortality versus controls. This one in Peru, excess death fell by 74% in 30 days. I mean, I don't know what else you want to see. At the very least, that, that indicates it could be. But no, they shout it down as absolutely fake because of some very small hot flash in a pan study they did during all of this that counters what all the rest of the peer-reviewed science has found. That's what this is. The most current, up-to-date, peer-reviewed science on this topic. But here's what Fauci says. Some of the, the, the sort of the um, confusion that came out over the last few years. I think I've asked you about this, but I want to check in one more time. Did ivermectin do anything? No. Okay. Humans do take it, but not for this purpose. Right. It does not help with COVID, and it could be dangerous. Okay. Uh, hydroxychloroquine, did it do anything? No. No. I mean, and by the way, there was a, just a recent study coming out of peer-reviewed journal about hydroxychloroquine, about how it does have effects. But apparently he's just not up on the science. Imagine that. Ryan over here in T-Lab is more up on the science, the current science, than Mr. Fauci. I don't buy that for a second. Not a second. I know as a matter of fact he knows about these things. He's lying. I mean, I've been, I have become 100% convinced, which is quite a bit different than my first impression of what, when I very first saw him. Never knew anything about him. Didn't hadn't done any research on him. Just simply glimpsed what he was presenting and how he was acting. And he struck me as the opposite. That's why they put people like this out there. That's why I'm like the Obamas of the world get put in those places because they project the opposite of what they really are. 
This guy, my point was, I'm convinced, is knowingly deceiving you at some level. There's no way around it. No way around it. And that's why I have this clip from a cold that I'm going to play in a minute that shows you this. That even among scientists, they're, they're using the word evil. Because there's no way to understand this any different. But as here's the C, by the way, the CDC website that does now include the concept of having a use against COVID-19. So, he, well, I mean, how does he not know that? Or he's lying to you, right? Well, on top of that, it goes forward. Here's here's uh, Pierre Corey pointing out that it does. I mean, this guy's been nailing this down from the very beginning just because they call the entire group and him a conspiracy theorist. Moms that don't want to buy it, dismiss it. I say moms just kind of joking because people that, you know, anybody educated or smart who has any critical thinking can see that there's evidence out there. I mean, how do you ignore stuff like this on science direct for crying out loud? Not that you should trust that as if it's all encompassing, but consider it. But here's his argument about why they're safe. COVID vaccines have been given to billions of people, right? There's no doubt. He says safety is off the table, which is kind of funny. I think he means to say that the argument that safety is an issue is off the table. He kind of inadvertently or maybe intentionally suggests that safety is not an issue or safety is not a conversation. It's safety has gone, <laughs> right? But either way, the idea that they've been given to billions of people means nothing until we have an honest conversation about what's happening after them. Just because they pretend they don't see the excess death connected or any of the other problems or the myocarditis or the Bell's palsy or the blood clots or the strokes or the thrombosis or everything else, they oh, it's perfectly safe because Fauci said the booster similar to what we do with influenza okay how can people safely gather for the holidays oh and by the way you got the tail end of the booster which he's still calling booster even though the white house was corrected on it by the scientists he's lying to you he knows he wants you to think it's a normal low booster and they've rationalized i would argue that they can lie like that even they probably don't even care at all but in the conversation because, well, you know, it's in your best interest, right? We, when they get caught lying about how it's, well, we did it because we don't want to scare you. Mass work. They don't work. Don't buy them. They're not available. Whatever they're arguing, they, oh, it's because we just want to do what was right for you. Always rather be seen as incompetent than criminal. But at the tail end of the conversation, and it's just like the flu thing, same kind of thing. No, it's not. In fact, because these are MRNA shots, a little bit different than the normal flu shot, but who cares about the facts? Let's just tell them it's the same thing. So they go and get it, right? Well, there are a number of ways. First of all, get vaccinated. Encourage the people, your family and your friends who you're going to be interacting with at the holidays to get vaccinated. How do you, how do you, con- how do you convince uh, friends or family members who will not get vaccinated? Let's say I have someone I love very much right. and who I do not I do not judge them for not right. doing this, but I just worry them. Yeah, I worry so much. I don't buy that. I mean, for crying out loud, this has been a guy who has made arguments about why you should judge people, but now they're at a different point of the conversation down the line and they're trying to not look so ridiculous because they want you to take the next one. Are you are we really going to pretend like they haven't promoted the idea of shaming people for not doing it? I mean, how pathetic is that? They act like, I mean, this is how dumb they think you are. If you're one of their audience members and you can't connect that they 30 seconds ago were telling you you should shame them and now going, but I'm not going to do that. Then that then you're their perfect audience. Much right. about them for not doing it because if they, they have, you know, they have other conditions and if they got this, right. it would be terrible for them. What do you, what's the argument here? Well, the argument is you look at the data and the data are absolutely crystal clear. <laughs> is the science in on whether the vaccine is safe? Oh, without a doubt. It's been given to billions of people in billions of doses. So there's no doubt. Safety is off the table. There's no doubt. Really? It's safe. 
But the important point is... Right, so they haven't... What's their argument for Bayer's? Are we still pretending that's all conspiracy theorists? Millions and millions of conspiracy theorists lying for their own agenda? I guess that's certainly possible. Shouldn't they prove something like that? I mean, my God, really? No question? As we just put the new thing out and we haven't even done trials on it yet? But no question, Fauci. No question. This guy should be in prison. I mean, I'm way past the idea that he is unaware of any of this stuff. I mean, even if you pretend he's unaware of the danger... How can you pretend something is unsafe beyond doubt that hasn't been tested in people? Like in a context that BA1 is still what they're using the data from. Across the board, eight mice is the story. That's it. But that's unequivocal off the table, right? Jesus. That if you reason with people and show the statistics of the number of hospitalizations and deaths. Okay, so you grab the, the information they're faking and lying about and contorting to feed their agenda and show that to your neighbor. Of course, that might work if they're dumb. Among unvaccinated people compared to people who are vaccinated and up to date on their booster, the curves go hospitalization and death for people unvaccinated, hospitalization and deaths for people who are vaccinated. And by the way, that's not even true. It's straight up not true. And I've shown you this 55 times in the show. But on the argument about that anyway, the main point to make is the very obvious reality that people that are under 21 days are still called unvaccinated. That's, that's still happening in Ontario. It's still happening in the CDC. It's still happening in the UK. People that are under 21 days of their first injection are listed as unvaccinated. And by the way, don't forget that the first 14 to 21 days is where 80 plus percent of the problems happen. Bing, bang, boom. There you go. Game over. All of it happening. So you could just shuffle over 80% of the problems into unvaccinated. There you go. Even though the vaccine is connected to every one of the things that are happening within that process. Like, I'm not saying they necessarily caused it, but if you got an injection and then two days later have a heart attack, there's a connection there. Something's going on. It could have just happened organically, but you should have to prove that, right? But the point is the correlation. That's the connection, but they don't want to ask the question. They just want to kick it all down and say, there. we just unscientifically declare 14, 21 days, depending on where you are, again, unscientific, that anything beneath that doesn't count. So, you, so let's just say you take some kind of other medication and pretend that within anything that you might happen within 20, 14 days, 21 to 14 days or 14 to 21 days doesn't connect to that. Would that happen with opioids? Would that happen with any medication? No, the logic doesn't apply anywhere outside the COVID-19 magic zone. That makes sense though, right? Just out of, it just blows me away, man. I'm just so completely taken. So yeah, I'm going to skip this one just for the interest of time. But this is them doing their little skit where they walk outside. Fauci supposedly gets a booster, or rather the new injection, I believe, but they don't clarify because they call it all booster now because they want to confuse everybody to think that it's all a booster. They're probably only giving this new bivalent now and telling everybody it's a booster. Wouldn't surprise me at all. We'll get to them, get to it in a moment where the military lied to people saying flu and gave them a COVID injection. That's been happening the whole time, I'm convinced. That's, a, that's proven now, by the way. But the point in this was that they go out here. I forget there was a couple things he said. How about a, uh, uh, can you give me a forget about it? Forget about it. <clears throat> right, right. That's oh, really? Yeah. Let me know if you need some content. Look fantastic. The brand name, too sticky. Too yeah, sticky. no, I mean, there's there like one or two points in here. It's all about, it's a big skit. But the point is, first of all, that they say 15 minutes, right? But as I'm, I think, I'm not, I forget if I have it in this show or not, but the argument was that it's actually 30 minutes. That the experts say you should wait 30 minutes, but that most of it happens within 15 minutes. I just found that out. I just saw that, right? But yet they say 15 minutes. I mean, think about that. Is that that's a conscious choice to ignore what the experts are telling you and cut it back down to 15, probably for the hope that you miss what happens in the other 15. 
Now, that's just my guess, but based on what's happening, it's hard to see anything else. But here is a very important story. Aaron C. are you reporting this, but FOIA, or rather, this is a lawsuit where they got information from the CDC about what's happened to people post-injection. Now, ask yourself why they would even try to hide that. It's quite obvious why. But victory for Aaron Siri, who finally obtained the report the CDC doesn't want you to see. It turns out 7.7, and I, I even argue it's probably way more than that based on other inf- information around the world, if you take like a worldwide data point. But in the United States, 7.7% of 10 million had to seek medical care post-injection. That is astronomically more than what they want you to think. A staggering 25% missed work and had some serious effect after their norm, affecting their normal lives. But they want you to think it's a very fringe, very, very small, rare people to get more than a, than a sore arm. So they knew they were lying to you this whole time. That's the first point. Second point is the danger they're showing you, even if those numbers are accurate, is that's enough to shut this down instantly, which we'll get to next. Or actually, one of these next ones. <laughs> the point is they shut these down in the past right here. For far, 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 far less risk. Far less risk. I just, there's no other way to know, understand this. They are letting this happen to you. That it was 463 days, you tell us, from the time that you requested this vSafe data. vSafe is a CDC program where you just kind of report how you're doing after you got the vaccine. 463 days to get it. Why did it take so long in your estimation, sir? It's a very good question. Why did it take numerous legal demands, multiple appeals, two lawsuits, in fact, before the CDC finally handed over the V-safe data? It's a no-brainer. I mean, come on. There's no other way to see this, guys. Whether, whether they want to argue because conspiracy theorists will use it against us, well, that's the same point, because the data is damning, and they don't want you to see it. Simple as that. Which is already de-identified data for the most part that they provided just two days ago, 144 million lines of code that they could have provided in a matter of minutes at any point. It's a great question. Maybe the answer is, is that now that we have that data and we've looked at that data, of the 10 million users within vSafe, Uh 7.7% of them had to seek medical care after vaccination. That is an incredibly high percentage, it appears to me. Yeah, and, and I, if I can, and sir, I'm sure I just there want are to put m- this graphic up to kind of follow along with you. You're right. 7.7 required sure. medical care. We're talking about emergency rooms, hospitalizations. There it is right there. And on top of that, not yeah. to, to go you one better, but this is your information, another 2.5 million, we're talking 25%, missed work or school or had bad reactions to the vaccine. What's the takeaway for you from this? Is it significant? Significant? It is. Uh, it seems incredibly significant. A big reason that they pushed the COVID vaccine is they said, look, not everybody's going to get, you know, seriously injured by COVID. But for many, it'll prevent them from having symptoms, being hospitalized, mm-hmm. uh, missing work. Well, now that we have the data, we could see that getting the vaccine caused 25 percent of people who got the shot within mm-hmm. this data set of 10 million people to miss work, to have some of serious event affecting their normal life functions. Yeah. And you also put But it I do out- leave it to folks like Marty. Now. That's 2.5 million people. I mean, you could make the argument that that was part of the agenda. I mean, I'm just, that's, I can't prove that, but we're watching you get shut down, stopping businesses, stopping you from, you're right. I mean, there's, it's interesting. 
this all leads in the great direction, even by accident, it would seem. Or the great great reset, great direction. The great reset direction is what I meant. But there's no there's no denying how obviously there's a problem here. Right? You can debate how serious it is now, but the evidence is out, guys. They are running from this desperately. Here's the one we just showed you the other day, by the way. Just adding to this. The idea that 1,006 symptomatic persons after COVID injections, Pfizer or Moderna, showed blood problems, which exactly overlaps with the Red Cross discussion they don't want you talking about. Or the fact that we just proved that the transfusion problem is very important in regard to the blood overlap because there is problems with the blood, and they admit that. I have them on the record speaking to me on the phone. They they just changed their narrative. I have the Wayback Machine showing their old statements. It's very, very clear. This is the blood of the jab. This is a peer-reviewed study. This is this. We've already shown you this, by the way. It's this guy has it broken down here. I was going to show you a couple of them. 1,006 people who took the jab and what happened to their blood. 94% of the people showed abnormalities in their blood after the jab. 100% of these showed alterations to their blood post-injection. Obviously not normal. You can look at these for yourself. We already went over this. This was the point from the, the, the uh, Epic Times pointing out the same thing. 94%. Had subsequent health issues. 94%. Well, as Winston Smith points out, and in the interest of time, I'm not going to go over all of these, but you've seen all of these. I've already reported all of these to you. Great threat at the very bottom. This is where I saw it. He, he tags my conversation in regard to this same thing, which I'll probably go through in the future. Where this person saying, at first for me, a patient declined a blood transfusion. And I'm like, well, okay, here's just two of the many studies that show you it does end up in your blood. You know, and of course, no comment or other people's saying you're fake news. And it's just it's peer reviewed science, man. You can't I'm not saying you, that proves it's true. What I'm saying is there's a logical reason from their perspective. to So wait a minute. I don't want a transfusion with mRNA lipid nanoparticle spike protein blood. I don't want that. It's proven that it goes up. It shows up in the blood and circulates continually. That's what we're talking about in both of these studies here. But he adds that to the end. But the point is, this guy's thread is a lot of good stuff. And his point is with everything, we're still learning. Like think about the point there, not just that whatever we know, but the fact that we every day find out something new and dangerous and changing or this new variant or new that with everything that we're learning about COVID-19, how can anyone truly have given informed consent? You know, that's not what happened because in fact, they put out the, the article or the, the study from NIH, National Library of Medicine, uh, it was actually a British medical journal posted there about the fact that antibody-dependent enhancement was a very real concern, and that if they don't tell people that, we're not meeting informed consent. That was in December 2020. I've reported on that many times. And yet, we act like we met informed consent? That's right there. It could come up. Just in case you want to read it. Simple. The specific and significant risk of antibody-dependent enhancement should have been and should be prominently independently disclosed to research subjects in the vaccine trials, as well as those currently taking it and those out in the real world. I mean, it's very clear. And it talks about COVID-19 disease, the antibody-dependent enhancement, right? Meaning that if you take the injection, that you get exponentially worse uh, experience with the disease. That's what that means. So you get sick and then you later get the injection, or rather the other way around, you get the injection, and then if you later come in contact with the problem, that it's way worse, potentially deadly. And their point is that if we don't do that, we are not. We have to do that in order to meet informed consent. December 2020. I mean, that's a peer-reviewed study on PubMed, on National Library of Medicine, and yet we go act, we go on not doing that, acting like everything's okay. And the point is, he's right that everything we are still learning, and even if it's not true, everything's changing every day. And all these points are, you can read them. They're all important. Every single one of them. 
any case. But yet, we're acting like we're doing it, right? And here's Toby Young. Three doses of Moderna vaccine, and this new study points out, you risk your, incre- your infection, by, or you increase your risk of infection by 27%, right? So if you get three of them, your risk goes up almost 30% of getting sick. A study has found. Now, you could argue it's not right, but the point is there's more and more science coming out showing you these things are catastrophically dangerous, more damaging to you than not doing them. Why do the COVID vaccines increase your infection risk? Right? Good question. Maybe because they mean to. Now, this person points out, why are they not being pulled? Again, Dr. Asim Malhorta, you should be following because he is one of the people that was promoting this, that got the injection on TV, that has now realized he was wrong. And he is actively speaking out about this. As New World Order, Order points out, swine flu, 76, pulled after one in, one th- one in 100,000 had the risk of Guillain-Barre syndrome, which seems to pop up after every injection series. Rotavirus, pulled after one in 10,000 risk of bowel obstruction. COVID, serious adverse events between one in 800, one in 1,000. Now, yes, these are based on the reports, but so are those. Bayer's, for both swine flus, in fact, showed you that actually Bayer's didn't exist in 76, but of course, in the next one, I think it was something like 50 reports of death in Bayer's stopped the, 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 the swine flu at that point, the vaccine for it. So how does that make sense? Why would the reports, and again, I always point out in 2006, the MHRA said on the record, Dr. Rain, I believe, that we don't need to prove these. Just the signals are enough. That was her quote. So what changed till today? Suddenly the signals are all conspiracy theory. And we don't even care to prove them because they've got, they got caught admitting they, they can't. They haven't. They don't even try. So it was always meant to be a catch-all to, to pretend like it wasn't there. We're at a point now where so much more is happening. Even if you don't believe them, they didn't know then either. But they pulled them then. And here is Dr. Maholtra telling you that you're being deceived. Do you think that it saved enough lives to justify the rollout in the first place? It's a great question. And we don't fully know the answer to that. And that's why we need the raw data, Mm -hmm. because that will give us more definitive answers of what Pfizer knew at the time it was rolled out. And don't forget, they're dramatically dragging their, they they refusing to give us the full information. That's why people are suing, FOIA request. Guess what we're going to find out. And by the way, guess what we already know. I mean, the data is clear in my opinion, but you know, he's being, as I'm, as I try to do over the top objective, because he's put himself in a very precarious position, but you got to give, you got to respect the courage. Just put yourself out there like this, standing by what he believes he knows right now. But, Dan, what I would say is, even if it had an effect early on with the, the most mm. serious ancestral strain of the virus, the Wuhan strain, which mm. was devastating, yeah. I've managed yeah, people yeah, with long yeah. COVID, no, what's circulating now, Dan, is essentially no worse than the flu. It's so a, we it's a cold. There you go. There you go. And that is common understanding unless you're brainwashed mass wear on Twitter, right? They are admitting this right now in, in Australia, everywhere. It's no, and you could pretend it was bad before, whatever. It wasn't, in my opinion, based on many forms of data, but now it's not. So if all you have is it could be deadly tomorrow, well, so could anything. That's not enough to keep people in controlled situations, force them to wear masks, force them to take dangerous injections they do not need and never did because it could one day be dangerous again. It's madness. In your your opinion is that we shouldn't 
take up this role. If, if you're young and healthy, you shouldn't take up because I got my text yeah. the, the other yeah. the other so day. Did I. I mean, I'm I'm not going to be doing so it. So did I. But, I'm not. But it was it. very strongly but, worded yeah. that I should go and get my boost. There needs to be a proper informed discussion with patients. But what I would say is, we need to ask people like Chris Whitty and the MHRA. Why, when we've got a serious adverse event rate, which is probably in the range of at least 1 in 800 to 1 in 1,000 from good quality data, why is it not being pulled when other vaccines, swine flu vaccine 1976 was pulled because it caused Guillain-Barre syndrome in 1 in 100,000? Rotavirus vaccine was pulled in 1999 because it caused a form of bowel obstruction in 1 in 10,000. We're talking yeah. of serious adverse events of 1 in 800. They're losing, guys. They are losing, if not already lost. So you, that is that is destruct. That is absolutely catastrophically damaging them right there. People are seeing that, even people that don't want to see it. It's just incredible. And the point is that they're telling them, "Come get your booster," right? But for, like stressing that you have to get the booster. And guess what? It's not a booster. It's a new injection, been tasted, tested on no humans. But you're stressing that they have to go get it, guys. This is absolutely alarming and here's what he posted as well whoever this car cardiologist is thank you and he posts dear maholtra i read your articles in the journal of insulin resistance today first of all i'd like to wholeheartedly thank you for your courage to seek and tell the truth i'm a clinical cardiologist practicing at a large organization in the united states i share your concerns about the worldwide rollout of these genetic injections as a consequence of my clinical and scientific opinion degree in biochemistry and molecular biology, I face severe pressure, including threat to my career, licensure and employment. Yes, like anybody honest is right now. I have treated several patients with injection complications, including cases of myocarditis, some of which I reported the Bayers. I have done cardiac MRI on some cases and I have found abnormal delayed enhancement, scarring, which persists for months after the incident presentation. At this point, I don't know what the long-term, uh, what is it again, sequelae may be, I am concerned about potential sudden uh, arrhythmic cardiac death. I wonder if these may be the new sudden adult death syndrome. Thank you. My sincere condolences on the passing of your father. Thank you for standing up and telling the truth. I do hope your voice will be heard. Thank you. Right there. The sudden adult death death syndrome is a catch-all for unexplained death, and they're abusing that right now. SIDS, all of it. I'm convinced. Now, just in case, here's Dr. Paul Offit, you know, who works with the FDA, who was in the committee meeting, who did vote no, who is still telling you, despite the fact, by the way, that all the corporate media reports that the experts agree, except he doesn't. And so they're lying to you. (laughs) He's one of the experts and he was in that very meeting and they still report that the experts agree it's safe and effective. That's what they're saying across the board right now. Well, here's one of those experts who's still telling you it's not safe and effective and you shouldn't take it and you don't need it. That even if this, even if the entire world were vaccinated, and even if this virus never created variants, it's a short incubation period mucosal infection. It's going to continue to circulate. It's going to continue to cause mild disease, and and in some, it's going to cause severe disease. So focus on those people. I think okay. the notion of sort of trying to vaccinate as much as we can and as frequently as we can to try and decrease transmission, decrease mild disease, I just don't think that's a a viable public health strategy. I don't think it would work. Right. Right. And in his meetings, he's very clearly said that this, this the data behind this is not enough. The eight mice and everything else, he said that he doesn't believe we should be giving this to people with that kind of debt. But yet it happened anyway. And now they're happily reporting that it's safe and effective because all the experts said it was good to go. That's what the corporate media says. You know why? Probably because they have a, a person from the CDC tell them that. And they happily report it. Well, here's Dr. Peter McCullough pointing out that there's developments in France over the summer that apparently received no airplay on the U.S. mainstream media. Shocking. I'm so, I'm shocked. 
open letter to governments over concern. So guess what, guys? It's not just the U.S., not just the U.K., not just Ireland, not just literally. It's literally everywhere around the world. You have the experts, not the corporate experts, but the experts that are not bought off by people that are standing up and going, guys, we have a problem. They're making communities. They're signing letters collectively, and they're sending their people, and they're ignoring them acting like they're all crazy and the only people that care are the ones taking injections. I'm convinced that's a small minority today. People see this. Hundreds of doctors and scientists in France demanded data transparency and not a false narrative. Esteemed outcomes, re- outcomes researcher and regulatory expert, Dr. Christine Cotton interviewed. This, that's this clip right here. Imagine why that the media wouldn't tell you that the experts are saying we're in danger. It is inve- oh, hold on, right here. In France, the Senate is investigating side effects in connection with COVID vaccines, but its hearings have not been made public. Entities France correspondent David Vives has spoken to a researcher who has testified in front of a Senate committee and advocates for the public release of its findings. A group of 900 French academics, lawyers, doctors and other health professionals co-signed an open letter, which was published on June 21st. Okay, so are they all conspiracy theorists? Are they all anti-science fringe right-wing maniacs i mean how do you how do you continue to pretend this isn't there you've got numerous groups with far more people in the united states frontline doctors you know all and all they just oh fake news conspiracy theory that's it game over how many oh 10,000 people all say phds fake news because i was told to say that that's what's happening but this is not just the united states it is all around the world the letter was addressed to the senate committee in charge of studying the side effects in connection with COVID vaccines, and ask for the full public release of their findings. Senators have collected testimony since the end of May from patients suffering from adverse reactions, but the committee hasn't made the content of the hearings public. Researcher Christine Coton, who has testified in front of the Senate, is one of the voices asking for the public release. It would be good if the interim report, which came out in mid-June, and the recommendations on transparency were implemented quickly in order to take care of those who suffer from side effects, because they don't have the time. For some of them, it gets worse every week. The problem is that they're still pretending like this is not this is incompetence as opposed to criminal activity. Like they're just, oh, they, can't, they haven't gotten to it yet. Like that's, it's, it's not like they're just making the problem worse. They're ignoring the problem. That's what's happening. The Senate's investigation is still ongoing. Some members of parliament are also asking for a public release and are complaining that the committee's communication is too restrictive. Right. The open letter says that the public should have access to impartial information rather than what it calls biased narratives, pushing people to get vaccinated. All right. Well, in the interest of time, I'm going to leave it there. In the chat, you're right, though. This is like that. That's a meme I've been seeing. Right. This is like this is the most horrific, catastrophic, painful slow motion train wreck in history, whatever the terms they used. It's just it's impossible to keep watching this. We all see what's happening and it's impossibly obvious. Investigation into spikes in newborn babies death in Scotland. Really? The Scottish government's ordered a review of the neonatal death rates after two spikes no pun intended, over a six-month period. Both increases were larger than what would normally be expected. Guess what they don't mention or even get into in this discussion? And guess what? They won't even look into a possible connection of the injection. And you knew that. At least 18 babies under four weeks old have died in March. That came after at least 21 babies died in September, all categorized under sudden infant death syndrome. This is painfully obvious. 
Now, do I know every one of those connected? No. But at what point are we going to realize it's impossible that the correlation is not part of this? A preliminary investigation found the September spike was not linked to COVID for all those already going, it was all COVID. Nope, too late, not COVID. So they already found that. Strange they would do that part, but not look under the other side of it, right? The figures show the death rate for babies under one year in Scotland is the highest level in 10 years. That is a real, like the hurricane overlap, right? Where they're all increasing like crazy. Well, no, that's the real increase right there that they don't want to point out. Here's an example from 2021, but this is everywhere. Experts puzzled by why Haiti has one of the lowest COVID death rates in the world despite administering zero vaccine doses, at least as, as of May 11, 2021. We're baffled. We don't know. It's baffling. We're confused, right? It's a puzzling problem. We're investigating. It's like everything. It's incredible. Now, I don't. maybe there's some other reason, but how about you ask the most obvious question, the gigantic elephant, Pfizer elephant in the room? Well, if you didn't give any injections and everywhere that did is having a crazy spike in exactly that same problem, maybe that has to do with it. I don't know. Call me crazy. It's just, it's again, the real point is that it's so obvious that they're not even asking that question, even when they admit it can have problematic side effects, right? I mean, you just can't ignore that. It's painful. Now, here's my point. Here's Dr. McCullough telling you that even amongst scientific communities, even at scientific meetings, this is being characterized as evil. Nothing else explains global therapeutic nihilism and willful blindness to horrific and fatal side effects. He's right. Only one word applies. Is going on in the context of this medical emergency that is so fundamentally wrong. I was at a conference in Washington, and it was a scientific conference. Uh, it was led by Scott Atlas, who a lot of you know on Fox News. He's in my frequent contributor group in Fox News, but Scott was there. Jay Bhattacharya from Stanford, people from the NIH, people from industry, the media. A scientific meeting, and we are going over pandemic response. And in this meeting, for the first time, and I have been to hundreds, if not over a thousand scientific meetings, I can tell you for the first time, I heard the word in a scientific meeting, and the word was evil. In a scientific meeting, it was evil. This was stunning. Next slide. That's crazy. Well, here's why, right? Here's why. Gavin Newsom has just reported that California will require children to get the COVID-19 injection to come to school. Now, guess what that's going to mean? That's going to mean the bivalent, the one they haven't tested on people right now. This will go into effect following, he says, the full FDA approval. What an ass. Like, excuse me, I shouldn't be cussing. Really, full approval, right? Because since there is such a thing as full approval, no, he doesn't probably even know that. But guess what? According to them, it is approved. So what is he talking about? Is he either completely aggressively uninformed or is he trying to conflate things to confuse you? It's a good question. Our schools already acquire vaccines for measles. Well, not mRNA, and I disagree with that as well. Mumps and more. Why? Because vaccines work. Well, what a dumb statement. There's plenty of injections that haven't worked over the years that have you guys said worked then didn't or that maybe did it first but then showed the nod or however you want to frame this. That's like saying trust women. It's a political statement. What about sometimes when women lie? Don't trust women during Kavanaugh, right? But then when Biden gets accused, oh, she's lying. Okay, so not don't trust women then? It's all about politics, right? Vaccines work is about as, it's stupid as saying any other absolute. 
Nothing is absolute always forever, guys. I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, nothing except Adam Clune or, you know, whatever. The point is saying vaccines work is making it sound like this is like anything else. And that's trying to trick the dumb people, the ones that aren't paying attention in hopes that you just get one more injection out there. Whatever. I'm not sure exactly his logic. That's my opinion. This is about keeping our kids safe and healthy, he says. Well, here's what I said. Full approval, Gavin? First, there's only approval and emergency use authorization. If you don't know that, scary. Second, you are you claiming there is some extra step following approval called full approval? Commodity was already approved. Now, that is the case, by the way. It just hasn't been put out there. They just, on a piece of paper, proved it, stamped it, and never even made it, apparently, at least in the United States. It still is not being circulated, but yet technically approved. That's what he's talking about, because the, the, the bivalent is not the same thing. I said, or, like, that was the point, are you conflating the bivalent jab with comernity? Because that's what I think they're doing right now. They're trying to just shift into that as if it's always been the thing people are taking, and that's happening right now. But I said, here's the source material, right? Pfizer, biotech, comernity and Pfizer, FDA announced the first approval. Okay, so, Gavin, what are you talking about, man? It's approved, so you're clearly insinuating the comernity, or the the bivalent. So when that gets approved, you're going to force the bivalent that hasn't been tested on kids. Like it's madness. And here's that point. Pfizer COVID-19 bivalent is only authorized for use. So what does he mean by full approval? I mean, it's just, this guy is either completely dangerously uninformed, or he's just trying to conflate these things to make people think this makes sense. However, you spin that part of it, None of that adds up to why you should force kids to do any of this stuff, even approved, even even any of it. I mean, this is dangerous. They're not in danger. It's less than the flu. This has catastrophically high side effects and the children are not at risk regardless. Based on every metric across the board, even if you take their stated numbers of children hospitalization and death, it is minuscule, less than literally anything else you could point at right now. But even that has been shown to be false. But Gavin Newsom is going to mandate that the kids have to take this to go to school. My God, these people are evil. And guess what? Newsom will not yet require the teachers or staff to do it, but we're going to force the ones that have the least need for it, the kids. This guy's a villain. I think all of them are if they're going along with this because they must know at some level they're crazy, they're wrong. Now here's John Kirby speaking on, on Fox News, who is double boosted and apparently still positive for COVID, during the interview, tries to defend losing 20,000 military members over the mass over the mandates for injections that don't prevent you from getting it or spreading it. But again, why do you think it makes sense to give somebody something that doesn't stop the transmission, which is the whole point for the mandate? There's literally no scientific logic. They just don't want to confront that. Possibly talk some sense into this White House to reverse policy. Well, I'll tell you, Brian, I mean, and we, you know, you and I have talked about this quite some time over the last year or so. Uh, the vaccinations are a, a valid military requirement. You want your troops to be ready. And part of being ready is being healthy and not being able or not having the uh, ability to. Okay, so right there is their classic argument. That's the that's the illusion that they're all going to get sick. It's the, the, even if you want to pretend <coughs> it's as dangerous as they say it was, that's still most people won't get sick. And then 99 something percent of people don't get they, they get through it. That's the original argument. Now it's way less than that, even they're telling you, right? So the idea that you give them all something that gives them one in the 800 to one in a thousand dangerous, potentially deadly side effects, that's the opposite of what they're saying. 
That is that the risks outweigh the benefits, if there are even any benefits. That's how crazy this is. Infect your unit and to make their unit readiness uh, any worse than it is. Look, I'm talking to you from home here because I'm wrapping up my own uh, bout with COVID here over the last 10 Admiral days. Exactly. I'm not going to the Admiral, exactly. I don't want to get but listen, uh, just to blend in the military and the science, we all know that this vaccine does not address any of the variants we're currently experiencing. So therefore, there's minimal positive to getting it now, which is why you guys don't even talk about it. To invest. Isn't it funny that that's what I and many others in the independent media have been screaming about for a year? And only now that they got the new bivalent in front of you that they start saying that? you can, And this is, this is how Fox and CNN and all of them are used like this. That's not They're allowed to make that point now, whether they know it or not. You need to see how controlled this flow is. I know you guys do. Test in our people and train them and then dismiss them for experimental vaccine is folly when you can't recruit. Every one of your branches can't recruit their threshold, yet you're kicking out good men and women. How do you explain that? Well, look, Brian, first of all, the Navy did make their uh, recruiting goals for enlisted personnel this year. Yes, it's a tough recruiting environment. We recognize that. Uh, but it's also you have a requirement to be healthy to be able to serve, and this is a valid military requirement. It's a you really it's a think so? Order to get the vaccine, and and look, even even if it doesn't prevent you from getting COVID, I'm double boosted. I got it myself here. Just the that's last your week decision. Or so. It, made, it makes the symptoms a lot less right. severe. It gets you back on, on duty. So it's uh, worth kicking out health, the healthiest people in our country who are already sacrificing. And by the way, most of which they've admitted have already gotten sick, which means they have lasting, durable, robust immunity that is better than if, 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 if across the board. There's no way you can argue this unless you're ignoring the facts. You're, it's worth kicking them out. Brian, Brian, we would rather not lose anybody, of course, uh, to the vaccine. We'd rather not lose anybody uh, from a retention perspective to have them leave the service earlier than they wanted or we wanted them to. Right. But it's a valid military requirement. No, it, no, it isn't. This is an experimental yeah. vaccine that just came right. off the shelf. Right. You know it's not valid, right. and the, it's risk our national security. Right. Admiral, you are a military no. officer. You could talk sense into right. this White House. I, I was a military officer. That's why I'm telling you that, that vaccines are common for you. You can't even join the military without and there you go again, conflating the other ones with this, which is not, one, you have to change the definition to call it a vaccine, and it's not the same technology. Just, you know, oh, you years of this means nothing. I've taken about a dozen or so vaccines to make sure that you're healthy so that you can, you can contribute. And that's up for debate as well. We have to be honest. To the unit's success and readiness. We don't want to lose anybody to the vaccine. You're losing 20,000. I'm going to leave it there just because I want to get through this before we get too late. In, you know, already three and a half hours. But the point was clearly that he's saying, yes, yes, we should still force this. And you know why? I think to a degree, because this is happening. This is provable. National Guard gives service members COVID injection instead of influenza shot. Now, the implication is it was more than one. But the National Guard administered a COVID vaccine to multiple service members who were lined up for the influenza shot, including a member who objected to the COVID vaccine on religious grounds. So someone who already said he wasn't going to do it. They lined up for the flu vaccine. They told them it was the flu vaccine and they gave them knowingly the COVID vaccine and then told them that. I mean, this is wild because, I mean, I knew this was happening and we've already proven to some degree, but they always play ignorance. But because this guy's essentially whistleblowing, who's no longer in the National Guard, He's telling you what happened during a vaccination clinic where both flu and COVID injections are being administered. Three service members were accidentally, they claim, given a COVID injection. Of course, that's what the spokesman says. His story is a little bit different. 
He said he was ordered to receive an annual flu shot, which is crazy in and of itself. And, and, you know, that's a shot, remember, that we don't even know is valid. They're guessing at what the next strain will be, if that's even what we're talking about, and went to the clinic to get the vaccine. He verified his name, his date of birth, his social security number, and told them that he was there for the flu shot, right? He was injected with a dose of the RNA COVID injection. Officers told him that. He said, quote, you know, you went in for the flu shot. Well, that wasn't a flu shot. That was a COVID shot. Right. So that's oops. I intentionally gave you a COVID shot because you told me you didn't want it. Guys, this is wild. And it, pro- it shows you that there's a level of conscious manipulation here. Bouchard, the person, believes the vaccine mix-up was intentional. Now, his argument was he believes that it was essentially about like, well, you are going to leave the military because you don't want this injection. So if we just give it to you, well, then you're going to stay in the military. That, I mean, that's his thought. I don't know if that really lines up. I think it's more so about just getting into people's arms. However you look at it, they knowingly gave this person an injection based on the way he takes it. I agree with him. It's crazy. And you know why? Because they're desperate. No one's getting the booster. It's not a booster. And that has public officials worried. Public health officials want people to hurry up and get their updated booster shots. A vaccine that's tailored, they write, to target the Omicron variant and its subvariants. Well, that's not true. It's tailored to fight the B4, B5. There is a, about a hundred plus, as far as I know, other variants. But see, they're trying to convince the people that only read this and take it at face value. Well, if it fights all the variants, well, then I might as well get it. See, they're playing the dumb people. In King County, only about 10% of people who are eligible have gotten it. But the numbers are far, far less statewide, about 1.5%. People aren't getting booster shots in part because appointments were initially hard to come by. And they're playing that game again. We are uh, coming while supplies last. We don't have enough shots. People are beating down the door. No, that never happened. And we proved that in the beginning. They lied about being short because people weren't getting them. That's why they had to coerce and force and threaten. And now they're doing the same thing. No, we know that people aren't getting it. And they're already complaining about that. So really, oh, we couldn't find an appointment. Are we going to pretend that they're not shoving this down your throat, giving you text messages, and we're going to pretend like you don't know what to do? Come on. That's so ridiculous. There's been some confusion about whether the updated boosters are available. No, there's not. You guys are screaming about the data every 30 seconds. Whether and why it's important to get one. Nope, you're pretty clear about that. This is how they make it look like it's about Biden saying the pandemic's over or whatever their argument is. I think that's why he said that, to give them an excuse about why you aren't taking it. They say that last year's boosters dramatically reduced COVID hospitalization and death. Nope. Not true. They increased the risk. And that these new updated boosters have been shown to increase people's antibodies to Omicron variants, other variants, and no, you guys haven't, you've tested BA1. It's not the same injection. They just want to conflate it so that people don't know. Everyone over the age of 12 who didn't have a COVID, have COVID or their last COVID booster is eligible. So rush in and get it now. Madness, absolute madness. Well, here's what they're trying to sell you on. This is just laugh out loud ridiculous. New study says boosters. Now, are they talking about the bivalent? Are they talking about the old booster? Who even knows anymore, right? Could prevent 90,000 deaths this winter. Okay, well, that's under the, I guess, grasping assumption that these will cause, that left alone will cause deaths, even though it's less than the flu, or that these things will then have the effect to prevent those, even though you don't know because you haven't tested it. But let's just claim that clearly because you're going to get funding and the media states it get it now because 90 people will 90,000 people will die if you don't they're just trying to scare people well COVID-19 boosters could prevent about 90,000 U.S. deaths this winter but only if more people get them that's a <laughs> I thought you love that statement oh okay right because I was under the impression that if we just look at the boosters then we'll be safe right 
or we just talk about them. Let's all have a conversation about these boosters because that will protect us, right? Oh, I'm dumb. I have to actually get it. Ah, I didn't know that. <laughs> I mean, what a stupid thing to say. That's only if you come get them, though. The protection's not just there for everybody. It's, this is just a, a, a propaganda commercial for injections by the supposed journalists saying, get it now because people might die if we don't. Well, the reality is we have no clue because we didn't test it. It's not safe in the first place, but come up and get it now because we're desperate to get people to take the new shot. According to a new study published this week by the Commonwealth Fund, researchers found if 80% of people got a booster, it would also prevent nearly 1 million hospitalizations. and 50- How do you even quantify that? Now, I'm not even going to waste the time getting into the ridiculous study because it's ridiculous. It is a subjective grasping, could do this, might do that. If this is that, then this means that kind of observational study, and it's a waste of your time. But this is what they'll happily parrot. But when we scream about peer-reviewed science about ivermectin or shots or anything else, we're all conspiracy theorists because it doesn't meet their narrative. $6 billion in medical costs in the next six months. But if boosters remain at their current pace, researchers say a potential winter surge could be imminent. About two-thirds of the U.S. population is fully vaccinated right now, but only about a third have received that booster. Okay, what does fully vaccinated mean? Are we talking two boosters now? Because is that up to date? But you said we don't need those now, so you need two shots and get this. It's just nonsensical. There's not even a there's not even a, a, a constant place to look at these things. You look, you get different answers from every place you look. That's probably intentional, right? But get the main point here is, guess what? If you don't do it, it's your fault. So when the wave happens that they seem to be planning, when that happens, it's because you didn't get your booster. And we told you so. That's how this works. Over and over and over. And guess what's trending? At least when I started the show. The truth about mRNA vaccines. And yeah, it is what it looks like. It's not the where, you know, we're all trying to give you the facts, straight facts about how good they are. No, it is one after another of people going dangerous, bad. You're being lied to blood clots. You're killing people. My hospitals. I mean, every one you can. I mean, it's crazy and it's trending or it was. And they're trying They're. I mean, they're hiding this stuff, guys. The reality is that everybody sees through this. And despite everything we talked about today. Pfizer initiates phase three study, it was in September, of their mRNA-based influenza vaccine. So like I keep saying, before we even can see that this is valid, despite failing for 20 years straight and then simultaneously succeeding for four companies to do the mRNA platform direction, or specifically just the spike protein, but specifically two companies succeed simultaneously on the mRNA direction. How do you explain that? But guess what? It's because they didn't succeed. Because the same problem they had before, you increase lipid nanoparticles, to make the mRNA get to its destination, which is what they said they did, it creates untenable side effects. That's what they found every single failed attempt before this. Then this came out. They had a problem. And guess what they did to fix it? Well, they increased lipid nanoparticles, of course. And now you're finding them in your liver and your spleen and your reproductive organs and people having them having mRNA everywhere. Their body. I mean, the point is they did what they did before without any solution. And it's happening again. I don't even know why that's not the obvious, most obvious thing in the world. And now we're stepping on that broken stone. It's not even there and stepping to the next one. We're going to make mRNA influence injections until moments later, we're going to make a universal one that we sell you fits everything, which is what they're already trying to do. And on top of that, even places that aren't doing this, right? We just talked about that, like Iran still doing a spike protein base, but not an mRNA. Well, China is now coming along. They just, they introduced their first mRNA COVID injection that was approved for Indonesia at the end of September. So even now the holdouts are going to mRNA. It's obvious this is the point. Despite the evidence, we are in the middle of a dangerous lockstep direction that is sprinting toward 
the technocratic panopticon right now. Now, I was going to get into, so you could imagine this would be a seven-hour show if we went into the other half of the food and the other stuff, but we'll get into it tomorrow. The obvious reality here, guys, is that you have reached people. See, how my, how my camera's all off because, oops, wrong way. <laughs> I had to move my computer. But the point is, guys, you've reached people. You've made a difference. By sharing this work, by sharing other people's work, by getting the truth out there, people see it. Now it's just time to start. Now, don't get... Let's not start high-fiving because it's not over. This will never be over. That's the sad reality. We just got to keep being honest and keep fighting, keep standing up and putting the truth out there because you do have an effect, especially when you look past the two-party illusion, which I think is what's happening. We just got to seize the opportunity and keep pushing. So thank you for being here, guys. I love you all. Don't stop fighting. Now is the time to stand up. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. I want to get a little into the weeds here and the mRNA technology. When you and you and your, your colleagues were trying to decide which route to go down, the traditional vaccine route or the mRNA route, you, you write that um, it was, quote, most counterintuitive to go the mRNA route. And yet you went that route. Explain why. It was counterintuitive because Pfizer was mastering, or let's say we had very good experience and expertise with the multiple technologies that could uh, give a vaccine. Adenoviruses, that some of the other vaccines are. We, we were very good in doing that. Um, protein vaccines, we were very good in doing that, and plus many other technologies. Um, mRNA was the technology, but we had less experience, only two years working on this. And actually, mRNA was a technology that never delivered a single product until that day. Uh, not vaccine, not any other medicine. So, uh, so it was very counterintuitive. And I was surprised when they suggested to me that this is the way to go. And I questioned it. Uh, and I asked them to justify how can you say something like that? But they came and they were very, very convinced that this is the right way to go. They felt that the two years... That, uh, of war on mRNA since 2018, together with BioNTech, to uh, develop a flu vaccine, uh, made them believe that the technology is mature and we are at the cusp of uh, delivering a product. Adequate to only consider the short-term adverse events as related to the vaccine. We must acknowledge that the genetic COVID-19 genetic injections cause far more harm than good and provide zero benefit relative to risk. Are you concerned that mRNA technology could be used for other vaccines or other health intervention? Yes, we already know that, that of course, as I said, for the manufacturer, of course, this is cheap and they can pr be produced rapidly, much, much more rapidly than uh, classical vaccines. So there is obviously, they obviously want to replace all common vaccines by RNA-based injections.